Blog Talk Radio. No weapons of mass destruction were found. Are you kidding me? Do you buy that? There were, there were, there were. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white. Come on, let us shoot. Claire. Hey, uh, I need to get the rat, the brass to drop rats. I got a wounded girl. We need to take the rest of mine. Oh, it's their fault for bringing their kids to a battle. That's right. The main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't, but he had the capacity to make weapons of mass destruction. But I also talked about the human suffering in Iraq. Hello, boys and girls. I have a special message for you from the President of the United States. I salute the boys and girls who are buying United States savings stamps and bonds, and they're giving important support to the cause of freedom and the men who fight for us in Vietnam. Congress gave us this authority in August 1964 to do whatever may be necessary. That's pretty far-reaching. That's the sky's the limit. As an American citizen, you have to respect our president, whether I like it or not. It's really my, not my decision, but I do respect my president, and I will support whatever decision he makes. Music played and people sang. Just for me, the church bells rang. It is a hard fact that U.S. strikes have resulted in civilian casualties. United States knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. One of the first things they told me was, you're not even to acknowledge the drone program. You're not even to discuss that it exists. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. That reply is crashing through the lies and disinformation. All right, everybody wanted me to do a show on the Federal Reserve. They asked me, and here it is. So uh, I don't see anybody here, actually. So, <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll play uh, everything about what you need to know. Then everyone's worried about these money changers. Well. Here you go. You want to learn about the money changes? Pay attention. Oh, that's it's very clear that the head of the snake is the financial system. The whole point of finance is to indebt, otherwise to enslave. What is a mortgage? I mean, what does that stand for? It's called, it's a death grip. So when you get a mortgage... You have a death grip held over you because you are in debt. You don't even own the house. The bank owns the house that loans you the money to buy the house unless you're fortunate enough to have all the money to buy it outright. And even then, you can be taxed by the government. And if you fail to keep up with those taxes, the government can then take it from you. The whole system is based on a financial fraud, which effectively takes the power that we have, and it gives it to a tiny group of individuals who are running the world through the control of finance. 
with the infinite supply of money that we have allowed them to take, they have literally an infinite supply of money, and with that money, and from their psychopathic point of view, they have bought everything and everyone who can be bought. So those of us who cannot be bought, because we operate on a level that goes way beyond the material, we are not rewarded for such behavior. We are punished for such behavior. And the most slovenly, disgustingly criminal, pedophilia, uh, you know, corrupt moral individuals, those are the ones that are rewarded in this system, which is upside down. We reward the pedophiles. We reward the corrupt. We reward the liars. We reward the people with no morals at all.
Mark's grandfather was a rabbi by the name of Mordecai. In fact, his grandparents were related to the Jewish Rothschild family through marriage. Rothschild would also partially fund Karl Marx, who would be remembered as the Jewish father of communism. Le Droit de Vivre, May 12, 1936, said, Jewry is the mother of Marxism. The Communist Manifesto laid out the ideology of communism. Its key points include a central bank with monopoly on credit, abolition of countries and nationalities, abolition of the traditional family consisting of a man, a woman, and children, abolition of private property, which means no rights for the people, to make it impossible for people to earn a livelihood by introducing heavy taxation, confiscation of property, abolition of the right of inheritance, and a communist state, i.e. Jewish monopoly on credit and banking. The media in total control of the communists. Women should not focus on family and children anymore. In their own words, communism wants to do away with the status of women as mere instruments of production and abolition of Christianity and morality. Marx refers to this totalitarian scheme as dictatorship of the proletariat, and his cult followers promote violence, class envy, and hostility towards free markets, family, business, tradition, and Christianity. Today, they are instrumental in the destabilization of Europe. Marx also openly encouraged genocide against Slavs referring to them as racial trash and that they must perish in a revolutionary holocaust. I don't think many people know that um, only socialists publicly advocated genocide in the 19th, 20th centuries. I think that's, that's a very little known fact and, and it seems shocking if you mention it. I've, I've lectured on it here and in other universities and it's always, always greeted with a sense of shock. first appeared in, in January 1849 in, in Marx's journal, uh, Neue Rheinische Zeitung. Engels wrote of the, uh, how the class war in Marxian terms means that when socialist, socialist revolution happens, the class war happens, uh, there will be primitive societies in Europe uh, two stages behind because they're not even capitalist yet. And he had in mind the Basques and the Bretons and the Scottish Highlanders and the Serbs. And uh, uh, he calls them racial trash. Upfeller, racial trash. And they will have to be destroyed because being two stages behind in the historical struggle, it will be impossible to bring them up to the point of being revolutionary. You speak about the vulgarity and the uh, dirty, dirtiness of, of Slavic people, you see. And uh, he thinks, for instance, that Poland had no, no, Poland had, had no reason to, to exist. The classes and the races, too weak to master the new conditions of life, must give way. They must perish in the revolutionary Holocaust. Karl Marx. Marx began it. He was the ancestor of 
of uh, modern political genocide. And I don't know that any European thinker of the modern period before Marx and Engels ever publicly advocated racial extermination. I can't find anything earlier. So I presume it starts with them. In his 1920 article, Zionism versus Bolshevism, a struggle for the soul of the Jewish people, Winston Churchill stated his belief that international Jews were seeking a worldwide communist state under Jewish domination. The international Jews would use communism and Zionism to accomplish this. As a first step towards establishing Israel, Ezekiel Niles described in Niles Weekly Register article that the Rothschild had purchased Jerusalem in 1829. Rothschild had found Israel, and Rothschild has always been the backer of Israel. Whatever Rothschild wants, he gets. It is believed that he is the richest man in the world, and I have little doubt of that. In 1897, the first Zionist Congress was held in Basel, Switzerland, and was chaired by Theodor Herzl. Jewish delegates from across Europe agreed that Palestine should be given to them. Prior to his death in 1904, Herzl predicted that a world body will one day give Palestine to the Jews, and that he will go down in history as the father of the Jewish state. For Herzl's dream to come true, European military powers would have to be manipulated and used into taking Palestine away from the Ottomans by force. In the German newspaper Deutsche Zeitung, Herzl wrote, The wealthy Jews rule the world. The fate of the governments lies in their hands. They start wars between countries, and when they wish, the governments make peace. When the wealthy Jews sing, the nations and their leaders dance along. And meanwhile, the Jews get richer. Dr. Wolfson said in New York Times article in August 22, 1907, that Jewish people must conquer the world. Communism was devoted to abolish private property in order to concentrate all wealth and power in the hands of the global central banking cabal. Around 250 years ago, in 1760, Mayor Amschel Rothschild created the House of Rothschild that paved the way for international banking and control of the world's resources. Money is power! Money is the only weapon that the Jew has to defend himself with! Meyer Amschel Bauer, born in Frankfurt, Germany in 1744, was a moneylender and a goldsmith on Jew Street, whose shop had a sign out front with a red hexagram on it. Eventually, he would change his name to Rothschild, which is German for red sign. Rothschild soon learned that loaning money to governments and kings was more profitable than loaning money to private individuals. Not only were the loans bigger, but they were secured by the nation's taxes. Meyer Rothschild had five sons whom he trained in the skills of money creation and sent out to the major capitals of Europe to open branches of the family banking business. You are five brothers. I want you each to start a banking business in a different country. One to go and open a house in Paris, one in Vienna, one in London. 
choose the most important letters. So that when money is to be sent from here to London, let us say, you won't have to risk life and gold. And here, here in Frankfurt, we'll just send a letter to Nathan in London saying, pay so-and-so. And that will be offset by loans from London to Frankfurt. You understand? In your day, there will be many wars in Europe. And nations that have money to transport will come to the Rothschilds because it will be safe. Our five banking houses may cover Europe, but you will be one firm, one family. Rothschilds who work always together. That would be your power. Just how rich and powerful is Lord Evelyn Rothschild? Historically, the Rothschild family wealth was hidden in underground vaults. The Rothschild secret financial records were never audited and never accounted for. Their family commissioned biographies give the illusion that their family fortune has dwindled but researchers estimate their wealth at close to $500 trillion, more than half the wealth of the entire world. Besides their many castles, palace mansions, wineries, racehorses, and exotic resorts, the Rothschilds bought Reuters in the 1800s. Reuters then bought the Associated Press, which selects and delivers the same news stories to the entire world, day after day. They have controlling interest in three major television networks and easily avoid media attention since they own it. Until recently, they owned and operated England's Royal Mint and continue to be the gold agent for the Bank of England, which they also direct. They control the LBMA, London Bullion Market Association, where 30 to 42 million ounces of gold worth over $11 billion are traded daily. The Rothschilds earn millions weekly just on transaction fees alone. They also fix the world price of gold on a daily basis and profit from its ups and downs. Over the centuries, the Rothschilds have amassed trillions of dollars worth of gold bullion in their subterranean vaults and have cornered the world's gold supply. They own controlling interest in the world's largest oil company, Royal Dutch Shell. They operate phony charities and offshore banking services where the wealth of the black nobility and the Vatican is hidden in secret accounts at Rothschild's Swiss banks, trusts, and holding companies. Although Evelyn Rothschild looks like a harmless, gray-haired old man, make no mistake about it, Rothschild and his ancestors have hand-picked presidents, crashed stock markets, bankrupted nations, orchestrated wars, and sponsored the mass murder and impoverishment of millions. The wealth hoarded by this one family alone could feed, clothe, and shelter every human being on Earth. The Rothschilds is the head of the snake. Within the city of London, there is a one-mile square that is referred to as the city. This is the headquarters of the Jewish family Rothschild's banking dynasty that owns the money supply through the central banks of almost every nation on earth. In November 1910, seven of the world's richest Jewish men held a secret meeting on Jekyll Island just of the coast of Georgia to establish a central bank, which they called the Federal Reserve Bank. 
These men were Nelson Aldrich and Frank van der Lip, both representing the Rockefeller financial empire. Henry Davidson, Charles Norton, and Benjamin Strong, representing J.P. Morgan, and Paul Warburg, representing the Rothschild banking dynasty of Europe. There were some powerful men who made abundantly clear that they were not in favor of the Federal Reserve System. Their total wealth today would be worth nearly $11 billion. These were Benjamin Guggenheim, Isidore Strauss, and Jacob Astor. Unfortunately, all of them were on board Titanic when it sank to the depths of the sea. All three died that night. By April 1912, all opposition to the Federal Reserve had been eliminated. On December 23, 1913, after many senators and congressmen had left town for Christmas, the President Wilson signed a bill and the privately owned Federal Reserve System came into being in the United States. After Woodrow Wilson had signed the Federal Reserve Act, which gave private interest control of economic power in 1913, he said, I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is now controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all our activities are in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion. No longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion endures of a small group of dominant men. Jewish bankers and their rabbis actually celebrated the passage of the Federal Reserve Act in 1913. After the Federal Reserve was up and running, Charles August Lindbergh added, the financial system has been turned over to the Federal Reserve Board. The system is private, conducted for the sole purpose of obtaining the greatest possible profit for the use of other people's money. The Federal Reserve System was neither federal, nor does it contain reserves, and nor is it a part of a decentralized system. The adoption of the debt-based financial system preached by Marx in the Communist Manifesto had been accomplished. The current banking system, fractional reserve banking, enables privately owned banks to create money out of thin air. Money today is simply numbers in a computer system with only about 3% existing as physical currency. Through its control and monopoly of our money, the elite that own the Federal Reserve now have total control over other banks, corporations, money, and politicians. The Fed system is designed to enslave us to never-ending debt and to fool us to believe that our money has any real value when it is, in fact, worthless, created out of thin air, based on debt, backed by nothing. It must enslave humanity to protect its monopoly over credit. Its money-creating tricks enable Big Brother government to borrow endless money from the Fed. The Fed were now controlled by the Jews, Rothschild, Warburg, and Schiff. Every Federal Reserve chairman since 1980 has been Jewish. Burns, Volcker, Greenspan, Bernanke, and Yellen. The House of Rothschild owns 57% of the stock of the privately held Federal Reserve Bank. What is the uh, proper relationship, what should be the proper relationship between a chairman of the Fed and a president of the United States? Well, first of all, the Federal Reserve is an independent agency, and that means basically that 
there is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take. The Jew Harold Wallace Rosenthal explained, Our power has been created through the manipulation of the national monetary system. The Federal Reserve System fitted our plan nicely since it is owned by us, but the name implies that it's a government institution. From the very outset, our purpose was to confiscate all the gold and silver, replacing them with worthless, non-redeemable paper notes. We, Jews, have put issue upon issue to the American people. Then we promote both sides of the issue as confusion rights. With their eyes fixed on the issue, they fail to see who is behind every scene. We Jews glory in the fact that the stupid goy have never realized that we are the parasites consuming an increasing portion of production while the producers are continually receiving less and less. We have to understand that one of the most powerful tools the globalists have for profit and control is war. The most lucrative thing that can happen for the international bankers and the globalists is war. For it forces the country to borrow even more money from the Federal Reserve Bank at interest. Communism actually was a Jewish 
totalitarian ideology invented by Jews, funded by Jewish bankers, and economically manifested by Jewish Bolsheviks as Vladimir Lenin, Trotsky, Kaganovich, Yagoda. The family of Tsar Nicholas II, his wife Alexandra, his daughters Olga, Tatiana, Maria, Anastasia, and his son and successor Alexei were devout Orthodox Christians. They exemplified everything that was precious in a traditional family. As a boy, Tsar Nicholas II had witnessed the assassination of the Tsar Alexander II by the Jewish terrorist Vera Figner, leader of a terrorist group called the People's Will. Tensions between the Jews and the Christian Russians started. Nicholas' great tragic mistake was in failing to execute the communists before it was too late after a failed 1905 revolution. Now, his kindness would return to haunt him and his family. The Bolsheviks forced the Tsar to abdicate. The Jew Alexander Kerensky was given $1 million from the Jewish Wall Street banker Jacob Schiff to immediately free all political prisoners and lift the ban on political exiles to permit them to return to Russia. Revolutionaries quickly flooded into any and all public offices. Anarchy began as criminals plundered houses and people were murdered and robbed. Jacob Schiff was chairman of the Kula Bank and an assistant of the Jewish Rothschilds. He took care of the contacts between the revolutionary movement in Russia and the Jewish Masonic Order, B'nai B'rith. On March 27, 1917, the Jews Jacob Schiff and Max Warburg sent Lev Davido Bronstein, better known as Trotsky, and his group of Jewish communists off to Russia to lead a Jewish revolution with no less than $20 million in gold, today worth billions. Some 90,000 exiles, mostly Jews and Freemasons, returned from all over the world to infiltrate Russia. Most of them changed their Jewish names to blend into the European society better. Another banker who financed the revolution was the Swedish Jew Olaf Achberg of the Nya Bank in Stockholm. Olaf's grandson, Robert Achberg, is a former member of the Swedish Communist Party and today leader of the Zionist anti-white organization called Expo in Sweden. Trotsky recruited Russian Jews from the immigrant population of the Lower East Side of Manhattan and trained them as armed revolutionaries. Lenin, Marto, Radek, and Kamenev returned from Switzerland. Stalin, Sverdlov, and Sinyonyev returned from Siberia. The Jewish chairman of the Central Executive Committee, Jacob Sverdlov, sent a message to the Jew, Jacob Jurovsky, head of the Lokotcheka, where he communicated that he had received orders from Jacob Schiff to eliminate the Tsar and his entire family. Sverdlov ordered Jurovsky to carry out this order. In the spring of 1918, the Tsar and his family were taken to Ekaterinburg in the Urals, where Jacob Jurovsky was given the mission to imprison, plan, and assassinate the imperial family. Jurovsky brought the Tsar Nicholas and his family to a house that previously had belonged to a wealthy Jewish merchant named Ipatiev. Nicholas' imperial family was abruptly woken in the middle of the night on July 17, 1918, when the Yurovsky told the imperial family to dress and then brought them to the basement. They were told that they were going to pose for a group photograph. But the Jewish assassins, Yurovsky, Nikolin, Jermakov, and Vaganov, had other plans in mind. 
Seconds later, Jurovsky then pulled out his revolver and aimed it straight at the Tsar's head and fired. Nicholas died instantly. Next, he shot Tsarina Alexandra as she made the sign of the cross. Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia were shot next. The daughters were stabbed to death after the initial gunfire had failed to kill them. Their doctor and three servants were also murdered in cold blood. Items that were related to the imperial family were burned and destroyed. Nothing was saved of the family. Even their dogs were slaughtered. News of the brutal murder of the Romanos would send shockwaves throughout Russia and all of Europe. To some Jews, though, the slaughter of the Romanov family was treasured as a Jewish ritual murder. In selected Jewish-owned shops, they sold greeting cards with images that were unavailable for Gentiles. The postcards carried the image of the Sadiq. This is an image of a rabbinical Jew with the Torah in his hand and a white foal in the other. The head of the depicted foal is clearly shown to be the Imperial Russian Tsar Nicholas II. Below this image is the inscription in Hebrew. This is a sacrificial animal, so is my cleansing. It will be my replacement in cleansing the victim. A bloody civil war between the Red Jews, led by Trotsky, and the White Christians, led by Admiral Kolchak, broke out before the Jews could grab full power of the Soviet powerhouse to set up their own Bolshevik totalitarian system. David R. Francis, U.S. Ambassador to Russia, said in January 1918, the Bolshevik leaders here in Russia, most of whom are Jews and 19% of whom are returned exiles, care little for Russia or any other country, but are internationalists, and they're trying to start a worldwide social revolution. The Jewish role in the communist revolution was mentioned in many major Jewish publications, such as the Jewish Encyclopedia and the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia and the Encyclopaedia Judaica. In fact, they are boasting about the essential role of the Jews in the Russian Revolution. The Jewish Chronicle said, There is much in the fact of Bolshevism itself, in the fact that so many Jews are Bolshevists, in the fact that the ideals of Bolshevism at many points are consonant with the finest ideals of Judaism. Of the 22 ministers in the first Soviet government, 17 were Jews. The few who were not themselves Jewish often were Freemasons, had Jewish wives, and spoke Yiddish. We can't know for sure if Stalin was Jewish, but at least he spoke Yiddish and had three Jewish wives. Some historians claim that Stalin was Georgian, and some say that he was a Georgian Jew. Los Angeles B'nai B'rith Messenger, for example, stated that Stalin was a Jew. Stalin's real name was Losif Vizarianovich Zhugashvili. The Jewish writer Moritz Steinschneider invented the term anti-Semitic in 8060. The term would be used to silence all those that dared to expose Jewish crimes. Because of the predominantly Jewish character of the regime, the very first piece of legislation approved by the communist regime was the Anti-Semitism Act in 1917. Anti-Semitism was made a capital crime. An anti-communist was regarded as an anti-Semite. Leon Trotsky also started using the word racist to browbeat all dissenters of the communist ideology and to render debate impossible. These words are used still to this day to bully any politically incorrect person into silence. 
even more now than ever, they're trying to make it punishable to question or criticize their actions by calling it hate speech, fake news, or anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitism is, is used as a great blockade. Um, when somebody's called an anti-Semite, it's usually because they've, they've asked some question or made some comment about Jewish behavior in some way, shape, or form. And because Jews don't want to discuss that behavior, they call you an anti-Semite for daring to question that Jews do anything bad ever. That's really why it is used. Um, anytime you say something about Jews, Zionists, Israel, anything with a tangent to Jews that is in a negative light, you're going to be called an anti-Semite by the Jews because this is the defense mechanism that they use to cover up their crimes and to prevent analysis of the criminal action that has happened, which so very often leads to a Jewish perpetrator. The Jewish philosophy is, how did Franz Seiler describe it the other day? It is an excuse to commit crimes. That's all it is. You put all your morals aside and you can do anything. That's the Jewish philosophy. And, of course, the other part of it for the people who actually are Jewish and following the dictates of the Talmud believe that they are better than everybody else and they act accordingly. And we see the horror in the world that is generated by that insanity. You must understand, the leading Bolsheviks who took over Russia were not Russians. They hated Russians. They hated Christians. Driven by ethnic hatred, they tortured and slaughtered millions of Russians without a shred of human remorse. The October Revolution was not what you call in America the Russian Revolution. It was an invasion and conquest over the Russian people. More of my countrymen suffered horrific crimes at the bloodstained hands than any people or nation ever suffered in the entirety of human history. It cannot be understated. Bolshevism was the greatest human slaughter of all time. The fact that most of the world is ignorant of this reality is proof that the global media itself is in the hands of the perpetrators. We cannot state that all Jews are Bolsheviks. But without Jews, there would be no Bolshevism. For a Jew, nothing is more insulting than the truth. The blood-matted Jewish terrorists murdered 66 million in Russia from 1918 to 1957. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Nobel Prize-winning novelist, historian, and victim of Jewish Bolshevism. They were taught to be ruthless. The Goyim. It was a virtue to be ruthless to the Goyim. I mean, you can say, okay, it's just cheating them economically, but I mean, that's, that's a form of aggression. And you were taught that if you cheated the Goyim, you didn't have to feel guilty. And so it's only a step there from taking that to the, uh, you know, to executing the Goyim.
the Jewish Bolsheviks implemented a policy known as collectivization. By collectivization, they could take away the peasants' land in the name of the state. This was what Marx himself as the essence of communism, to abolish private property. In early 1930, over 91% of the agricultural land was collectivized. The communists were taking every good from the peasants. All weapons of the civilians were also confiscated by the state. He ordered them to confiscate all grain, all food from the areas. By doing that, he knew he's condemning them to death. upon a group of men in a makeshift cemetery digging a mass grave. When I asked where the bodies were, one of them explained, we are trying now to make a place to put the future corpses. We are afraid we won't have the strength to do it later. As I looked at them, I wondered if any of those men thought he might be digging his own grave. Will Shafroth, American Relief Administration. The famine of 1921 would become the worst disaster in Europe since the Black Plague in the Middle Ages. The government carried out mass requisitioning of grain, which prevented peasants from feeding themselves or even having enough seed to carry on next season planting a new crop. People had fled their villages, desperate to escape the famine. At the station at Kazan on the northern Volga, Wretched creatures huddled together in compact masses like a seal colony. Most were children whose mothers had deserted them or had died. I saw emaciated little skeletons whose gaunt faces and toothpick legs testified to the truth of the report that they were dying daily by the dozen. The stench of 
stench was nauseating. An estimated 25,000 Russians died in these regions each week. 75,000 more deaths by the end of March. People had been dying at this rate all over Russia, all winter. Will Shafroff described the scene he witnessed in Samara. I have seen piles of corpses, half naked and frozen into the most grotesque positions with signs of having been preyed upon by wandering dogs. I have seen these bodies, and it is a sight that I can never forget. It is impossible to describe the suffering and misery that presented itself on every side. I found the only food was made from weeds mixed with ground-up bones, tree bark, and clay. The famine was awful. People were eating almost everything that could be swallowed. They ate straw from the roof. Using this uh, straw and uh, such substitutes of food, they became ill and they look something like a fat man, but it was the beginning of the illness. They ate all cats, dogs, horses, everything. Shafroth cabled Haskell in Moscow that the body of a Russian assistant who recently died from typhus had been dug up and eaten. Ten butcher shops, he said, had been closed for selling human flesh. Americans read that Shafroth himself had been eaten. The government tried to stop people eating corpses. And they led propaganda against this, and they tried to put guards in the cemeteries in order to prevent people from eating dead bodies. Grandma told me about it. When the dark was coming, they put a huge lock to save children, because children were the main target of cannibals. There were cases of killing children by their own mothers, by, by, own, by their own parents, and eating them. Some mothers did that for mercy, but some mothers killed them to feed other children especially very small babies. The starvation would peak in the winter and affect 16 million people. Before the corn and wheat seed arrived, up to 5 million Russians had starved to death. During the periods of 1921 to 1922, 1932 to 1933, and 1946 to 1947, the Jewish Bolshevik regime deliberately mechanized three series of genocidal man-made famines aimed at starving farmers in Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, and Russia. 
millions died a slow death and people resorted to eating grass and some even to cannibalism. This real holocaust is today referred to as the Holodomor. Encyclopedia Britannica estimates around 8 million people, 5 million of them Ukrainian, were starved to death by the Stalin-Kaganovich famine alone. And the three Holodomor genocides together resulted in a death toll of 16.5 million. Russian historian Alexander Solzhenitsyn estimated that between 1917 to 1958, the Jewish Bolshevik regime managed to exterminate up towards 60 million Europeans, including victims of the forced collectivization, the hunger, large purges, expulsions, banishment, executions, and mass deaths at gulags. Industrial-scale murders like these are an essential part of communist theory. With these famines, Lenin, Stalin, Kaganovich, and all their Jewish agents destroyed any remaining resistance to the communists. An order from Lenin and Trotsky, the Red Terror, was first announced by the Jew, Jakob Sverdlov. Lenin stipulated that three-quarters of mankind may die if necessary to ensure the other quarter for communism. Lenin even outlined the purpose for the famines by stating, Destroying the peasant economy and driving the peasant from the country to the town, the famine creates a proletariat. Lenin also regarded Europeans as animals. It is precisely now, and only now, when in the starving regions people are eating human flesh, and hundreds if not thousands of corpses are littering the roads, that we can, and therefore must, carry out the confiscation of church valuables with the most savage and merciless energy, not stopping short of crushing any resistance. He continued, the greater the number of representatives of the reactionary clergy or reactionary bourgeoisie we succeed in executing for this reason, the better. Leon Trotsky said, we must turn Russia into a desert populated by white Negroes upon whom we shall impose a tyranny such as the most terrible eastern despots never dreamt of. The only difference is that this will be a left-wing tyranny, not a right-wing tyranny. It will be a red tyranny and not a white one. We mean the word red, 
literally, because we shall shed such floods of blood as we will make all the human losses suffered in the capitalist wars pale by comparison. The biggest bankers across the ocean will work in the closest possible contact with us. If we win the revolution, we shall establish the power of Zionism upon the wreckage of the revolution's funeral. And we shall become a power before which the whole world will sink to its knees. We shall know what real power is by means of terror and bloodbath. We shall reduce the Russian intelligentsia to a state of complete stupefaction and idiocy into an animal system. Mass arrests in the middle of the night, kidnapping, executions, and brutal tactics and torture took place. The communist plan was to use psychological warfare, torture, and terror to intimidate their white enemies into submission. Gendry Shagoda was a Jewish secret police official who served as the director of the NKVD. A major Israeli publication, Ynet News, revealed the truth about Yagoda, saying, We must not forget that some of the greatest mass murders of all time were Jewish. He goes on, Gendry Shagoda was the greatest Jewish murderer of the 20th century. He is responsible for the deaths of at least 10 million people. The Jewish checkout was a secret police force created through the NKVD, later KGB, on December 20, 1917, by the Jew Vladimir Lenin, and was consequently led by the Jew Felix Jarsinski. Jews made up nearly 80% of the rank and file checker agents, reports Bruce Lincoln, an American professor of Russian history. The Sheka rounded up Christians and all those who did not support the Jewish Bolshevik government. The Sheka practiced torture methods, including skinning victims alive, scoffing, cloning with barbed wire, crucifixion, hanging, stoning to death. Women and children were also victims of the terror. They would sometimes be tortured and raped before being shot. Children between the ages of 8 to 13 were imprisoned and executed. With hot irons, the Bolsheviks tortured those prisoners who were caught. Some victims were actually sliced to pieces, bit by bit, while others were branded with hot irons. Their eyes poked out to induce unbearable pain. Burning coals were inserted into women's genitals. Often in views of victims' family members, prisoners were publicly hanged. Communists in Kharkov placed their victims in a row and nailed their hands to a table, cut around their wrists with a knife, poured boiling water over the hands, and pulled hot skin. They poked out eyes, broke bones and legs and arms, and extracted nails, cut off hands, ears, and noses. Victims were submerged in boiling ore or tar. Victims were dozed with petrol and burned alive. Lazar Kaganovich was the Jewish head of the KGB and was well known for his purges of those who opposed Jewish control. It is argued that Stalin, whose second wife was Kaganovich's sister, was a mere figurehead. Some believe that the numerous Jews below Stalin, in all significant positions, ran the show. As proof, some point out that many of the churches were burnt to the ground, while the synagogues were left standing. Many priests were forced to sweep the streets and others were murdered. The Jewish Soviet leaders held rabbis in high esteem. And those people who dared to criticize the Jewish supremacy were mercilessly murdered as anti-Semitism became a crime punishable by death in the Soviet Union. The Jew Kaganovich 
reported the deaths of millions and the total destruction of Christian monuments and churches. Among these victims were bishops, professors, doctors, policemen, officers, lawyers, civil servants, journalists, writers, artists, nurses, workers, and farmers. The most intelligent and the highest achieving segment of the population was totally wiped out, which left a population of ignorant workers, peasants, and a powerful Jewish ruling elite. Lenin said, we must hate. Hatred is the basis of communism. Children must be taught to hate their parents if they're not communists. From the American Hebrew of September 8, 1920, the Bolshevist revolution in Russia was the work of Jewish brains, of Jewish dissatisfaction, of Jewish planning, whose goal is to create a new order in the world. What was performed in so excellent a way in Russia, thanks to Jewish brains, and because of Jewish dissatisfaction, and by Jewish planning, shall also, through the same Jewish mental and physical forces, become a reality all over the world. A righteous Jew, Henry H. Klein, explained that, Zionism is a political program for the conquest of the world. Zionism destroyed Russia by violence as a warning to other nations. It is destroying the United States through bankruptcy, as Lenin advised. Zionism wants another world war is necessary to enslave the people. Our manpower is scattered over the world. Will we be destroyed from within, or will we wake up in time to prevent it? The Rabbi Stephen Samuel Wise in New York said, some call it communism, but I call it Judaism. People were being shot. Um, then I tried the biggest country in the world. But Stalin even got to the point of killing people by random, by quarters. Let's say 100,000 in the uh... Tambov district, okay, that's it. Whoever they grabbed and shot will be fulfilling quota. They wouldn't care about names. Then after the quotas were fulfilled, the local authorities would report to Stalin, to Central Committee, and ask uh, for additional quotas. Khrushchev asked limit and additional quota will be given. And after fulfilling, they would again ask for additional quota. And so it will go in circles. It was like a like, like an infinite machine, you know, it was just killing and killing and killing. Christian women were chained to trees and their babies cut out of their bodies. 
Some victims in Kiev were placed in a coffin with a decomposing body and buried alive, only to be dug up after half an hour. Lenin was still not satisfied with this and reported, "More power to the terror." The Bolsheviks would eliminate every free thinker. Trotsky wanted every individual to be a ruthless soldier of labor, and he thought that all those demanding free speech, free press, and free trade unions should be shot like dogs. If ordered to move, they were forced to obey. If they refused, they were deserters who would be punished with death. Every move was at gunpoint. Trotsky often executed his victims personally in the most cruelest ways. He happily ordered disciplinary executions, and he even ordered children murdered. Officers and their families were executed for disobeying orders. The Jew Grigory Zinoviev, real name Hirsch Apfelbaum, as head of the Communist International, wrote in an article in the Draznaya Gazeta in Moscow, September the first, nineteen eighteen. We will make our hearts cruel, hard, and immovable, so that no mercy will enter them, so that they will not quiver at the sight of the sea of enemy blood. We will let loose the floodgates of that sea. Without mercy, without sparing, we will kill our enemies in scores of hundreds. Let them be thousands. Let them drown themselves in their own blood. Let there be floods of blood of the bourgeoisie, more blood as much as possible. Every people who dared to criticize the regime would be branded as anti-Semitic and punished with death. Christians, priests, and the most attractive youth, and all non-Jewish intellectuals were the first to be exterminated. In years to come, Stalin's crime against humanity would make Lenin's threat to terror crumble in comparison. The Gulag was the Jewish NKVD system of forced labor and extermination camps. Any person suspected of disagreeing with the Jewish Bolshevik government was kidnapped by the Jewish secret police and deported to a Gulag. Туда и обратно. Понял, да? И вот сюда, 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 сюда. Вот здесь вот. По этой дороге, прямо вот так, вот, 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 по обе стороны, вот так вот, вот. Она вся в лагерях, особенно вот сюда, вот здесь вот, вот, вот. Здесь кругом лагеря. Кругом. Кругом. Вы ели по, по каждой лагерь там, по, по дороге? Да нет, да? нет, ну, ну, в каждой... Ну, господи, мне надо вот так дожить. Тысячи лет, чтобы каждый лагерь, даже по два дня, тысячи лет мне надо жить. У меня нет, чтобы каждый заглянул. Даже, ты представляешь себе, вот на этой дороге, вот, вот на Транссибирской дороге, лагеря были нанижены, как вот на нитку пуши. Вот, на нитку пуши, вот, понял, да? Ну, вот это пуши. Понимаешь слово пуши? Да, да, да. Вот. Они прямо здесь так и были нанижены. Они повезли в пятерках, да? В пятерках, да. В пятерках, и тогда нас 
по фамилиям вызывали по пятеркам, так как привезли, как привели, так мы по порядку были. И тогда нас садили в вагоны. Вагоны такие похожие, но они были хуже. Они были деревянные вагоны. Такие собаками, контовками, очень много солдат было. Там нам давали по ведро угля, и потом, потом мерзли дальше уже. До вечной мерзлоты нужно было вырыть грунт. Значит, фундамент 80 на 80, яма такая. А грунт попадет иногда на 14 метров. И только видно одна звезда. И сколько на эту звезду я смотрела, я знала, что говорила, что и мама на эту звездочку смотрит. Мне надо видеть ее обязательно. Это меня удерживало. А как укололи как? Очень холодно, очень, но когда работаешь, уже не холодно, кровь тебя сохраняет, а потом надежда еще на то, чтобы выжить. Это еще двойная сила. Что это все впереди, что надо, надо, надо честным трудом, как сказано, искупать свое вино перед Родиной. А потом я же строю для, для себя на своей Родине. seduces them. He has such great charm and conviction. He gets to Balfour, and he unbelievably persuades Balfour and Lloyd George, the Prime Minister, and most of the ministers, that this idea of um, the national home for um, Jews should be allowed to take place. After the deal was made, Jewish-owned media immediately unleashed a ton of anti-German propaganda, depicting the Germans as barbaric Huns. This was done to get the public support for American intervention in the war, while the Zionist and Jewish Marxists of Germany started to destabilize Germany from within through several strikes within the arms industry factories, which weakened the German war effort. If America wouldn't have been tricked into the war, it would have been stopped right there and then, and millions of European lives would have been saved. American entrance into the war was then carried out as promised. Lord Balfour was assuring the Zionists that Britain would fulfill its end of the deal after the war had ended, the theft and overthrowing of Palestine from the Ottoman Turks. Before more European blood would be shed on European soil, both Germany and Austria-Hungary again asked for a peaceful resolution. 
Wilson was forced to admit that Germany and Austria-Hungary had indeed expressed general peace proposals, but he casually dismissed them all. Lying about how beautiful the post-war peace was going to be like, Wilson managed to trick so many war-weary Germans into an unconditional surrender and disarmament in November of that same year, 1918. Communists and Zionists within Germany stabbed their countrymen in the back. Marxist trade union leaders ordered factory strikes which deprived German troops of their vital supplies. German morale and industrial output quickly fell. Germany laid down the weapons and wished for an honorary peace. After the war, the treacherous betrayal of 1918 became known as the stab in the back. Germany had simply been betrayed from within by Zionists and Communists and consequently they were all tied together as enemies because they wished to see Germany fail. In Israel today, Balfour Day, November the 2nd, is widely celebrated. The Palestinian Arabs observe it as a day of grief. In January 1919, the victors met at the Paris Peace Conference to financially crush Germany and determine the new borders of the defeated nation. Germany was not even invited and would not have any say in the final decisions as the globalists ripped Germany to pieces. The conference also created the basis for a future world government, the League of Nations. The Zionist delegation that was present that had brought America into the war also made sure that former Arab territories of the Ottoman Empire were separated from Turkish rule and broken up into small states so that Palestine could become a British protectorate. The Jews then claimed to a peace of Palestine guaranteed by the League of Nations exactly as Herzl had predicted in 1887. Out of the Paris Peace Conference came the brutal and notorious Treaty of Versailles on 20th of June 1919 and the Treaty of Saint-Germain on 20th of September the same year. Even liberal historians recognize the evil of the treaty today. A Germany that did not want any war, that had tried to avoid war, and had offered to make peace on numerous occasions throughout the whole war was now totally disarmed. Germany was forced to pay massive war reparations in the form of money and natural resources. The crushing debt payments, 100 billion marks, equal to $1 trillion in modern currency, devastated the German economy and soon caused a hyperinflationary monetary collapse. The total sum of war reparations demanded from Germany were about 226 billion marks. The aim was to financially break Germany. John Maynard Keynes predicted that these harsh reparations would lead to the financial collapse of Germany. Germany's armed forces were restricted to 100,000 men, intended solely for police duties within the country, and conscription was prohibited. All German colonies were taken away from her. The same thing happened with a number of German areas in Europe. In total, Germany had to give up 13% of her lands. Several million Germans ended up stranded outside of the German Empire and millions were forcefully expelled from their homes. Germany also lost large parts of their industry when key iron ore and coal assets disappeared. The industrial German Rhineland would be occupied by French troops for 15 years. The Treaty of Versailles was a devastating peace treaty for Germany. But the agreement also had serious economic consequences, not only for Germany, but also for Europe and the world, as Germany was such an important brick in the world economy. 
the treaty contained 440 clauses. 414 out of them were specifically dedicated to punishing Germany for a war that the nation was totally innocent of. In the Times, 1919, Winston Churchill expressed the ultimate goal of the treaty. Should Germany do business again in the next 50 years, we have led this war in vain. The encirclement and unprecedented hunger blockade killed almost a million of German children, women, old men, and the most fragile of society. The Allies now had only one fixed intention, to prolong the power of Versailles and to destroy Germany for good. Germany was now completely disarmed and she had been damaged on all sides and had no way of defending herself. At any moment could her neighbors decide to attack her. Because of the enormous reparation costs to be paid in gold, there was no longer any backing for the mark. This led to inflation, which totally wiped out all the German savings. Germany 1922-23 faced the most horrific hyperinflation the world has ever seen, and the German mark became worthless. Unemployment, hunger, and a hopeless future distinguished the Weimar Republic to the German people. Suicide rates were high. Unemployment topped 30% as desperate Germans committed suicide. Birth rates were extremely low. Anarchy and chaos was in the air. There was nothing the disarmed, humiliated, and hungry German people could do about it, as communists even seized parts of many cities. In 1929, the Federal Reserve caused the Great Depression. The researcher Boris Borisov, in his article titled The American Famine, estimated the victims of the financial crisis in the U.S. at over 7 million people. The globalist powers had now managed to orchestrate yet another famine that killed millions of white Europeans like in Russia before. Ben Bernanke said, regarding the Great Depression, we did it. By we, Bernanke of course meant the Jewish leaders of the Federal Reserve System. Back in Germany, the effects of the engineered stock market crash was even worse than in any other country, as the life savings of the people were wiped out as prices doubled every two days for 20 straight months. In 1922, inflation was spiraling wildly out of control. People would be paid in the morning and have suitcases full of banknotes and they would have to then run to the shops because in the time between being paid and the time when they bought their goods, their food, the prices would have risen. Berlin was in a state of total, total chaos. Hundreds of thousands of dispossessed starving in the streets and at the same time you had very rich people You've got on the one hand the poor eating turnip soup, the butchers selling crows, squirrels, eating rats, and on the other side people who could afford it eating the most sumptuous meals like they never paused for thought. The Germans had to pay 2 to 20 billion marks for a single postage stamp. A loaf of bread cost 2 billion marks. A pound of butter cost 2 trillion marks. The German middle class was the worst hit and saw all their savings and businesses being destroyed. Starving families and the children begged on the streets. Many Germans referred to their devalued money as Judefetzen, Jewish confetti. Because whilst the Germans were starving, 
the Jewry lived their golden luxury life in the Republic. Germany was totally bankrupt in the end of 1929. The Jewish statistician Alfred Marcus estimated the average Jewish income for 1930 at three times the average income for the rest of the population. The industries, as in the Ruhr, were all bankrupt, and workers were all laid off in their millions. In January 1933, over six million Germans were unemployed. Although the Jews comprised less than one percent of the German population, the political influence of the Jews in the Weimar Republic was enormously out of proportion to their numbers in the population. They managed to control over 50% of the media and the press, and 70% of all the judges, 57% of the metal trade, 22% of grain, and 39% of the textile trade. German banking and finance was under total control of Jews. They were particularly evident in the private banking in Berlin, which in 1923 had 150 private Jewish banks, as opposed to only 11 private non-Jewish banks. Four. Of the six members of the controlling board of the Reichstag directors were Jews, including Jacob Goldschmidt and Rudolf Havenstein. In order for anyone to control people's minds, one has to control the press and media. Jewish domination of the press and the public mind began with Reuters news agency in 1865, established by the Jew Paul Reuter, born Israel Bera Yosefat in 1865. The Reuters Telegram Company was the first major news organization in the world. Almost every major news outlet in the world today subscribes to Reuters services, which operates in over 200 cities in 94 countries in about 20 languages. The Washington Post was controlled by Zionist Federal Reserve Chairman Eugene Mayer. In 1940, Mayer would fire the Washington Post pacifist editor for refusing to endorse U.S. involvement in World War II. Post would later be handed down to Mayer's daughter, the late Catherine Mayer Graham. In 1896, Adolf Ochs bought the New York Times and formed the New York Times Company. The Ochs-Sulzberger family, one of the United States newspaper dynasties, has owned the New York Times ever since. For 117 years, America's most influential news source has been in the hands of the same family. In 1926, the Jew David Sarna formed NBC, the first major broadcast network in the U.S. In 1928, the 27-year-old Jewish businessman William S. Paley secured majority ownership of the CBS radio network. Paley expanded CBS into a national powerhouse with 114 affiliate stations. It is very important to remember that the four most powerful media sources, the Washington Post, the New York Times, NBC, and CBS, were now all under total Jewish ownership and control. Jewish Daily Bulletin on July 27, 1935, said, "There is only one power which really counts: the power of political pressure. We Jews are the most powerful people on earth because we have this power and we know how to apply it." The two largest German newspapers before 1933 were also in Jewish hands: Leopold Ulstein, August Scherl, and Rudolf Moss. These Jews had a virtual monopoly on the German press. Their main publication was the Berliner Tageblatt. The editor of this paper was Theodor Wolf, a Jew, who also took a prominent part in politics. All editorials, all policy, all thought, and every single sphere of major influence had now fallen under Jewish control.
of the 29 legitimate theaters in Berlin, 23 had Jewish directors. In 1931, of 144 film scripts made into movies, 119 were written by Jews, and 77 were produced by Jews. Germans done to the Jews, you must always ask what have to done the Jews to the Germans. In 1918, Lenin and Trotsky established a Communist International, also known as the Comintern, in Moscow, Russia. In the days following the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, Trotsky promoted the idea of a permanent revolution, which meant that the Soviet Union had to politically provoke other nations throughout the world to start their own Bolshevik revolutions. The Comintern stated openly that its intention was to fight for the creation of an international Soviet Republic, i.e. a communist world government. Comintern-affiliated parties formed in France, Italy, China, Germany, Spain, Belgium, the U.S., and other nations. The ideology of communism spread like a poison through Europe. The author Ernst Elmhurst explained in 1938 that socialism, communism, and Bolshevism in reality are only links in the plan of world-embracing Judaism, with its final purpose of forcing the entire world under Jewish domination. Following the Russian Revolution of 1917, revolutionary Jewish communist leaders Karl Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg led a group of Jewish communists, Kurt Eisner, Paul Levy, Franz Mehring, Wilhelm Pieck, Richard Müller, Emil Bach, Gustav Landauer, Eugene Levine, and Emil Eichhorn to attempt a violent and bloody communist revolution in Germany as well. They were heroically stopped in 1919 by the veterans in the German Freikorps. The Jew Bela Kuhn instigated a Jewish revolution and took over the leadership of Hungary in March 1919. After months of red terror and massacres of Christians, the Hungarians managed to fight back. Hungarian Rear Admiral Miklas Horthy formed a national army to fight the Bolsheviks. With the support of the Romanian army, Horthy managed to take back the country on August 1st, 1919. In Italy, Jewish-led communists committed mass murders in Sarana, Modena, Bologna, Pietro, Diana, and Milan but were defeated by Mussolini's fascist forces. Fascism was a movement to save Europe from communism. Today, thanks to our globalist media, almost everyone thinks that fascism was something horrible. Fascism is, shortly, a defender of the nation, its culture, and people. Under fascism, government plays a key role in monitoring film, theater, art, literature, music, education, etc. In order to maintain a high moral standard, keep things clean and respectable, promote a strong sense of patriotism and honor, and prevent the spreading of decadence which corrupts society from within. 
Even Winston Churchill thought that fascism proved the necessary antidote to the communist poison. He said of Mussolini, Roman genius, the greatest lawgiver among men. Speaking in Rome on January 20, 1927, Winston Churchill said, If I had been an Italian, I am sure that I should have been wholeheartedly with you from the start to the finish. Italy has shown that there is a way of fighting the subversive forces which can rally the masses of the people properly led to value and wish to defend the honor and stability of civilized society. Hereafter, no great nation will be unprovided with an ultimate means of protection against the cancerous growth of Bolshevism. Twelve years later, Winston Churchill will align his country and people with Bolshevism. Oswald Mosley was the fascist leader of Britain and tried to save his country as well, but never managed to get enough power. Cornelio Cadrano said, Fascism means, first of all, defending your nation against dangers that threaten it. It means the destruction of these dangers and the opening of a free way to life and glory for your nation. Jewish Bolsheviks then attempted to take Spain in 1936, which led to the bloody Spanish Civil War. The Jews launched an orgy of mass murder, rape, and destruction. The Jew Leiba Lazarevich Feldbing, Soviet Red Army officer, was chief of Soviet security in the Spanish Civil War. Over 20,000 churches across Spain were destroyed, 6,832 Spanish priests, 3,000 monks, 300 nuns, and 13 bishops were killed. Some 4,000 laymen were also murdered for helping or hiding nuns for priests. Felbin was one of the masterminds behind the massacres. In 1939, the devout Roman Catholic general Francisco Franco stepped up and created a united nationalist group and managed to save Spain from a communist takeover. Franco had the support of Antonio Salazar in Portugal, Benito Mussolini in Italy, and Adolf Hitler in Germany. On February 8, 1920, Sir Winston Churchill expressed his alarm over the world developments in an interview published in the Sunday Illustrated Herald, London. From the days of Adam Spartacus Weishaupt to those of Karl Marx, those of Trotsky, Bella Kuhn, Rosa Luxemburg, and Emma Goldman, this worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstruction of society on the basis of arrested development of envious malevolence and impossible equality has been steadily growing. Ideological and cultural subversion is a subtle, gradual, and persistent undermining internally of another group's values, strength, and ways of life with the aim of making them vulnerable. This is the strategy that the communists used when they infiltrated and took over societies from within, starting with Germany. The four stages of subversion are demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and normalization. When uh, the Soviets used the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do, is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. Only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either 
ideological subversion, or active measures, in the language of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and is divided into in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's over-fulfilled because demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camps, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes him, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flat, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense, an economy. Uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all the schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfilled or not.
your leftists in, in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are not, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Leninists come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. End of 1922, the Communist International, Comintern, began to consider how they would succeed taking over Europe in the most effective way. On Lenin's initiative, a meeting was organized at the Marx-Engels Institute in Moscow. The aim of the meeting was to start the Marx Cultural Revolution. Among those present at the meeting was George Lukács, a Jewish-Hungarian aristocrat and a son of a banker. In the summer of 1924, Lukács moved to Germany. Here he held the first meeting of a group of communist-oriented intellectuals. This gathering was to lead the foundation of the Frankfurt School. The institute had been officially established and funded by the Jewish millionaire Felix Weil. This institute was called the Institute for Social Research. Later it would be known as the Frankfurt School. These new Marxists, under the direction of Max Horkheimer, believed that Europeans were too attached to tradition, race, nation, family, and faith to be able to accept communism. Antonio Gramsci, while in prison, described that Marxism and communism could only flourish after a long march through the cultural institutions. Only then, after they had corrupted all... Okay, everybody. Restoring your republic. Understand the times, which we live today. This pretty much right then and there. We're up to World War II now. And then we touch base a little bit of what happens today with the civil rights. Yeah, I like how they do this. They go back and forth. And you see, people can't <clears throat> sit and, and, and listen to this great knowledge. This is, and, and all this is verified. I mean, they're quoting history. All you got to do is go back and look at it up for yourself. I mean, several things here they quoted. I mean, when they say civil rights movement, though, hey, 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 everyone feels comfortable, right? Because we, we know about those days, right? We know about that. Hey, we know that's true. <laughs> you know, we feel all cozy again, right? But when he's talking about the Ukrainians and the Russians and the whites that were murdered in Russia, the white Russians that were murdered, the 16 million of them uh, murdered, and the children were eating each other, <laughs> that's not true. That never happened. No, <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't got time for this. My dumb phone's ringing. You know, yeah. You see? How do you know that happened? How do you know George Washington existed? How do you know this, you know? I mean, we, we can really go deep into history. We can go way back. You want to go back further? You know, I mean, you, know, you want to go back to the middle, you know, the medieval time? You know, look, this is the history. This is true. Many, many people have studied. This is not the stuff that's taught. Because the narrative of history that you're taught in schools today and that we talk about every single day is watered down and it's written by the winners and the people that have really determined what history should be and that they want you to learn from. So this way here they can continue to promote that, the uh, people marching down the, basically to the slaughterhouses and doing it willfully and gleefully. 
like I said, you know, you, you'll you'll get you'll, you know you'll be driving in, in traffic and you'll cut somebody off by accident, and the guy will pull up, you asshole! He'll be ready to kill you, giving the middle finger. They'll, they'll go 90 miles an hour, chase you down the highway. They don't care. They'll run everybody over in the meantime, just to get to you and chase you down, right? Because they're big, bad, and tough, and strong. I'm going to get you. But a cop pulls them over, and they piss on themselves. You know? They piss on themselves. Like, yes, sir, officer. Yes, sir, officer. I know you're just doing your job, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, 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 yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, bend over, sir. Bend over. How hard? How hard? Yeah, okay. Cough. <laughs> yep, okay. Yeah, right? Right? What the hell's wrong with you people, man? What's wrong with you? Where have you gone? And the people in this documentary, I mean, if if you could see the video to it, you'd be t- totally, I mean, appalled. The di- you know, it's a lot of it's, you know, 8mm film from the, that time because they didn't have color video back then. You know, they didn't have dumb phones, you know, so they had 8mm, but everyone would document everything. You know, that's how they got the word out, basically, at that time period. And some of the videos, starving kids, the kids, disgusting. All laying there on the ground on top of each other, dying. Assholes sticking out and everything, yeah. Crapping all over, you know, whatever they could do. You know, disgusting. Disgusting, man. This is the human life. This is life. This is the human soul. This is how pathetic man is. And we're wa- and the reason why is because we're watching this happen in our own backyard, our own country, our own people. You know, come on, man, stop, please. You know, I mean, just wake up. I mean, I understand some of us don't see eye to eye on things that we don't agree a little bit on things, but most of us that know the truth can come to an agreement and work together to fight against the evil, but the other people out there that are just off the wall, you know, and, and, and just like this Warren character that calls into the shows, you know, with, I mean, it does he do this because he doesn't know anybody? I mean, just, or is he just inherently ignorant? Where does he get his facts from? I listened to Sarge stoop him a couple times. I mean, he just stooped him, and he didn't know what he knows. He got made a fool of a couple times when Sarge he was telling him. When he's like, I forgot what it was last week. He said something, and he said something, and it wasn't even around back then or something. I forgot what he was made, made a comment about, but it wasn't even around during those years. <laughs> the guy didn't know what to say. You know, I mean, but, but, but he quickly, you know, that's, but all these liberals are like this. You know, these communists, they don't, they, they, and they fly off the handle, they go berserk when, when, they, when, they, when they're wrong. You know, like they become angry. How many times when this guy calls in and calls us names and racists, and uh, last night when the person called in uh, and, and was mocking me, you know, uh, trying to make my character look bad, did you see me flip out and go crazy and start yelling, you know, and, and call her names, you know? No, I spat back facts the best I could, but of course she talked over me, you know, and and this is what I'm saying, but this is what they can't do that. They can't have this civilized conversation. And that's what makes me worry that there's no way to handle these people. There's no way to, to get through. What do we do? What do we do? You know, what's the answer? Oh, there he is. There's, uh, oh, that's New Orleans. Yeah, that's the New Orleans guy right there. Yes, you are racist. That's for sure. 
You see? You see? This is why he this is why you didn't listen to any of the of the of the the uh the documentary. I mean, what proof do you have of this? I mean, you're making uh, accusations. And I would advise anyone who wants to call into the show do so because you only got 20 minutes to do so. And then the, it won't not allow you. It's 657-383-0616. And you can remain muted or un, uncensored or, you know, nobody has to know your phone number. Now, I'm not going to give it out to nobody. Nobody can see it. Um, you know, call in and, and you guys want to comment on that. Somebody asked me to do a show on the Federal Reserve, and I thought the best thing to do would be to do a show about the Federal Reserve and the creation of the Federal Reserve and what really has funded these Federal Reserve central banks. We're all asking for answers. And what I just played, an hour and a half of true educational facts, hardcore history of what the truth is and the evil people that are behind what is happening today. Whether they're black, white, Jews, whatever they are, whoever they are, these are the people that are behind who is pulling the strings and the corruption that, that's happening. It has to be somebody, right? It has to be some group of people that's doing it. So, well, I just played for you the truth of who's behind the money. And we know money controls and money corrupts. We know that. We all pray, fall prey to it, most likely. You know, it's tempting. Uh, let's see here. we got somebody who wants to get their hand up here, so we'll bring them on. And uh, I don't like to make people wait, so let's go ahead there, private caller. Yeah, greetings. This is Brother Warren, host of New Orleans Wake Up, one of the hottest and most well-informed uh, shows on Blog Talk Fear. I, is that, uh, who says heard, it's well-informed? Hang on, hang on. You just made a claim there. Is that your claim, or is that the claim of Blog Talk Radio or or any sponsors out there? Because you're, are that's you what my listeners. That? That's what my listeners. That's what my listeners tell me oh, when okay. they send emails okay. and when they call in. So uh, my oh, okay. listenership. Plans increases every day. I'm uh, basically I I heard some of the program you played, but I couldn't hear it because it was just reeked with a lot of anti-Semitic uh, uh-huh. commentary. So I just I yeah. tuned out. You know, anti-Semitic. So true. So what would you rather I do? Play lies? Would lies be better? And would the, well, people I mean, in your ears I, tell you I, what you want to hear? I mean, I don't, I don't stereotypes of racial and ethnic groups. I don't support that at all. I just, I'm just not. Well, I, I'm a, a black person. I, I, wait well, a minute. I'm a black person, so I've been a victim, and I'm part of a group that have been and is victimized based off stereotypes and policies and laws put into place based off mythologies, lies, and stereotypes about my group. Okay. Okay. And 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 whites have too. Okay, that was playing in the documentary. White, whites have two what? Whites have two what? Been, been stereotyped and, and plagued through groups. Sixteen million white Russians were killed. If you, if you listen to the documentary. Wait, 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 wait. Sixteen million. But killed by who? Killed by whom? <laughs> well, if you paid attention to the documentary, I gave you a beginning to end uh, facet of a uh, documented with uh, backup links to, to, to refer to. Twenty-seven million Russians. Twenty-seven million Russians died by the Nazis. There was 25,000 okay. a, a month were dying of starvation. They were forced into starvation by the communist regime, by, but, by Lenin. Wait, 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 wait. What communist regime? Because are you familiar with World War Two? Are you familiar with Nazi this Germany before World War and, II, Russia, this is before. and Russia? Hang on. And Russia fighting the Nazis, a, a, 
yes. a, uh, capitalist, hang on, a capitalist hang on. economy? This is, no, 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 no. This is before World War II. This is before World War well, II. Well, why, well, why, don't, why don't you include World War II also? Why not include World War II also? I was getting to that, but you made a comment. You made a comment, and I, and I made another comment saying that whites were victims of slavery, too. And that's where we are now. No, we no, no, up no, here. no, 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 no. You're twisting stuff. You're saying all kinds of stuff. We were talking about slavery. I made a general comment about, yes. uh, about, I made a general comment about ethnic racial groups being stereotyped and lied about in policy and law being put in place. You bring up the Russians. Were the Russians killed because they were white? White Europeans, the caucuses and the caucuses, and listen, in the European colonies at that, in the Ukraine area, okay, I don't know, in Kyiv, oh, I played it all for you, okay, 25,000 whites that were dying from forced starvation by the policies by that were set down by, 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 by the policies set down by Lenin. And the communist what, 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 regime, what race, was Lin, regime. what race was Lenin? What race was Lenin? Bolshevism. Bolshevism. Okay. What was, his it race? what was his race? I don't, I don't know. About, don't say about his political views. What was his oh, racial God. background? Why are you so... But, but, hang on. Hang on. Time out. Why are you so hung up on race? You, bring, you uh, said... Uh, you, I'm asking you for... Evidence that the Russians were killed because they were white, you can't give it. I just, they were killed by the Bolsheviks. Listen, I just, I what, just what played the documentary. The what racial background were the Bolsheviks? Bolsheviks, that's what they are. <laughs> what was their racial background? That's a, political, that's a political term created. What was the racial background of these Bolsheviks? They were Russians like who, Hang on, Russians. I got another caller on the line here. Hang on, I got another caller. I got to see who that is. Hey, who's this private caller? Uh, who do you think it should be, Joe? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't know. I wanted to make sure. See, so you were sitting there silent. So, can you answer this gentleman, please? Because he's so hung up on no, race. I, I just, I'd really I, rather let him finish his little spiel. I want to hear exactly what he has to say. By the way, Warren, I'll be taking notes. So be careful. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, finish your comment, well, Warren. Well, well, take a take a note of this. The Bolsheviks. That's not a racial or ethnic group. So this guy right. uses as an example sixteen million Russians who were killed and starved, and my question is, what was the racial and ethnic group of the people that did that to them? Who cares who killed them? They still suffered. They were white, and they suffered. They suffered, and they were white. Okay, it's important to answer that question because you give the impression without being fully accurate, you give the impression that those and white you Russians too. You were your killed. People. You did too. You made a generalized comment. You weren't accurate about anything. You just made it. You I threw a comment. The time, out there. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to show you the documentation of the situation. My people come in, and you know it. I think you know documentation. Enough documentation. What? Okay. That the West African kings of Northwest Africa sold their rounded up the lesser uh, fortunes I, I, of the I black tribes. I would like to answer the gentleman, uh, <laughs> sir, because he's so he thinks race is such a predictor of genocide and slaughter. I'd like to ask no, you about no, something no, that's going no, on don't, don't, right now. Don't try to confuse. Don't throw in no, all no, kinds of stuff in the soup. I'm going to I'm gonna give no, you some facts that you can either ignore or listen to as you wish, because I don't need to make anything up. What's going well, on in Nigeria question. right now? Answer the question. With, with, what race with the Christians 
being butchered over 60,000 since the year 2008. And what is the racial makeup of the murderers, and what is the racial makeup of the victims? See, this is what I'm saying. When I come on, you don't let me, when I come on, when I come on, when I come on, when I come on, you don't let me, you don't answer my question. You don't answer my question. All right, all right, time out, time out, time out, time out. What question do you want me to answer, Warren? I ask you, you pointed out the whites, the Russians in particular, giving the impression to an uninformed or ill-informed person that another racial group killed those Russians. And I asked you what was the race of those people that killed those 16 million Russians. You said Bolshevik. Bolshevik is not a race or ethnic group. Shame you, on you. you. You interrupted me before I finished, but the Jews also, <laughs> if you listen to the documentary, the Jews and communists were teamed up with Lenin's that starved the people to death. And they were white that starved. What? Right now, as yeah. we speak, 43,000 black Christians are killed by Nigerian jihadists in Nigeria in 12 years, 18,500 permanently disappeared, and 17,500 churches attacked. There's nobody white in sight. Yes, can you answer that question now, sir? Well, I'm talking about you pinpointed the Jews, you know what I mean? and I told you I, I, do know, not I, support, I do not support that documentary because it's anti-Semitic. That's racism. Okay, okay, so let's move on now. What, what is, now, what about this question Sarge just asked you? Let's talk about today. Let's not, because we don't know what happened 100 years ago, because we're going to argue about it, and both of us weren't there, so you're not going to believe my documentary, I'm not going to believe yours. So let's talk about today, something that we can verify. Sure. Can you answer Sarge's sure. question? Sure. Sure. What was the question, Sarge? Could you re ask that question ahead, again? Okay, what was the right question? now, all throughout sub-Saharan Africa, in Nigeria, in Mozambique, the Central African Republic, Mali, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Muslims, black Muslims, have been terrorizing and slaughtering Christians for the, since at least 2008. Literally tens of thousands of them. Very good. Nine hundred years ago, today. Supported by the United States, no, France, no. and the U.K., those extremist groups are supported because those African countries, they are precious mineral resources that are in those countries, and the U.S. is using those radical groups as a way to justify U.S. military presence in those places. So, so How are they supporting the United States? The former Africa. And the former Africa. Is the United States now? Look at, read the WikiLeaks papers. Read the WikiLeaks papers, uh, uh, sir. Oh, time out, time out. You. I haven't had time to read them yet. You're well, here you with me now. Something. I got to take you're time to about, read them. You're talking about me if that's true or not. About, sir. I have not time to read it, Warren. I'm asking okay, you right now. Are you claiming you would realize you put a foot in your mouth? Is an ally of the United States. One at a time. 
a reputation. That was all white people designed that whole thing. No, you they know were not. That? No, they were you Jews. The, the, no, the, the, they were Jews. The corporate media that made Obama the Jews seem control like the he was a rock media. star, that's white uh, people control that. The Jews control the, the corporate media. All evidence indicates that these people are being uh, attacked for their religious faith. Let me give you an example, concrete examples, reports coming out verified by international agencies such as the Red Cross and others. September the 1st, 2022, Muslim Fulani herdsmen hacked to death six Christians with machetes. September 11, Muslims murdered a Christian while abducting a pastor and wounding his wife. September 18, Muslim Fulani killed three Christians during a raid on a Christian village after slaughtering 22 others in the same area in the past three weeks. September 21st, more machete-wielding Muslim herdsmen massacred 15 Christians in midnight raids on two Christian villages. On September 23rd, Muslim Fulani raided six predominantly Christian villages. I'm, I'm familiar, in the I'm familiar with those reports. I'm These very much familiar with Dozens of Christians dead and several more with gunshot injuries and machete attack wounds. Okay, you several there. All night prayer vigil outside the church. Muslim Fulani broke in and abducted dozens of Christians. Less than one week earlier, 60 other Christians were abducted from the same denomination in another region of the country. Now, who did that, Warren? Now, who did that? Let's ask him. Let's ask him. That's just one month. Let's ask him now. Let's ask him, who did that now, Warren? Who did that? He just gave you several incidents, okay? I'm familiar, I'm familiar, I'm familiar with though, that particular situation in Nigeria. But, however, when we see those reports of those situations, it is just not that simple by seeing it on the surface. You have the United States government and EU countries are always involved in sectarian strife. And that one wasn't way the question, another. Warren. That wasn't the question. Who is responsible for those atrocities? Who did those? The United States and EU countries that support and arm these groups that use sectarian strife to create instability. That who so, do okay, it time at out, the time out now. All right, okay, all right. So you're telling me that these the United States, the government, I'm the US government and the EU's going there and they're giving these people the guns and they're saying, Go kill these people and they're saying, Okay, so yes, boss, me, yes, me, boss, you know, and they're you going know, to do it. You know you know, you're very hypocritical. All come out of your mouth is what the government does. The government is with China, the communist takeover and all of this. And then when I give you information that is validated by reports such as the CIA declassified documents, the you're doing it by race. You act like you act like it's some sort it's some sort of fantasy or something. Because you're making it sound like it's done through, through race, that the white man is doing it. That's how you're making it sound. Well, that, that, that's who controls the United States government, the white man. No. That's who they control. No, you're wrong. That's not no, who controls you're wrong. everything. You're wrong. Who controls the that's media that you were talking about earlier? Who controls the media? Let me ask you a question, sir. Let me ask, who controls Wall Street? Why the black people? Who controls Wall Street? The people that control Wall Street are the central bankers, which are mainly offshore European Jews that are controlling the central bankers and the trading on Wall Street. The big are, are those Brothers, European Jews Jason white? Are those European, Jews, are those European Jews white or black? 
No, they're from uh, the Middle East, actually, the Middle Eastern. I would say Syrian, uh, Syrian, Iraqi, uh, you know, stuff like that. I mean, they're not white. They're not white. Oh, man. Oh, man. What do you think? Why do you accuse? Why do you think you think everyone's white that has everything in control? That's not true. Now, Sarge, That's not true. Sarge, you could. Now, Sarge, you could come to my aid on this one, Sarge. You could come to my aid on this one. They're not white. Who Sarge, do you think okay, is white? You could come to my aid on this one, Sarge. What do you want me to come to your aid on? Because if the now, truth, Sarge, I don't mind you come to my, now, Sarge, you can, you can come to my. That, that, who, okay, let me ask Sarge the question, sir. You just be quiet. Sarge, when we look at Wall Street, who would you say dominate the entities in the whole Wall Street culture, white or black people? Oh, I know who dominates the Wall Street culture. It is white, woke liberals who are infused with Marxist ideals oh, 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 and social ideals. Say it again, Sarge. Say it again. Say social governance. That's who it is. I said white now. I did say white, and I said they were infused with a particular philosophy and belief system. Okay, but they're what, but sorry, they're what? I said, let me say again what I said. Let me say it completely, because that didn't take long. Let me say again. They are people who run Vanguard and BlackRock, two of the biggest, and these people in Black, Vanguard and BlackRock are infused and suffused with ESG. They're white liberal progressives. Okay. Infused okay. Thank you, Sarge. Thank you. Social now, governance of racism. And it takes no, 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 philosophies. They're committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, okay, Sarge. Sarge, very good. Now, let me ask you another question, Sarge. The Jewish people that disproportionately make up much of these sectors and investment and yada, 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 what race are they? Uh, you mean many of them are like Sam Bankman Freed, I suppose they're Caucasian. Uh, oh, you, we can name them. We can, we can, talk, we can go on. The Lehman yeah, Brothers. I, give you specific, we can go man, on I don't mind telling the truth. Huh? I don't mind telling the, the truth. You know, what, what, like race what, what race, what race are these? And they work Democrats and progressives. Okay. They're Hebrew. They're are Hebrew. People? They are Hebrew people. They well, what Hebrew race people. are these people? What are these people? That Hebrew people is not to... white. Caucasian is not Caucasian. Oh. Hebrew okay. is not Caucasian. Okay. okay. All right. So okay. you That's the way you get out of the argument? Fine. Fine. Well, well, they're not. But anyway, okay, well, anyway, let's get to the foundation of it. Okay, so you're complaining that there's not enough black people on Wall Street? And who's no, what I'm that? saying, what, what I'm saying is that's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is that when we look at power, the okay. groups, see, you have groups in power, and yep. let's talk about the United States context, it's white people. Yep. Those are the people in power. Well, they should be. They should be. We built okay, the country, all right. for God's okay. sake. Okay, okay, okay. We built the United States, okay. did we not? But you, don't deny, but, you, but you don't deny that they're the ones in power, though, right? Wait, but no, I, what no I don't believe they control notice, what's important. Warren, Warren, we're complaining about them, too, maybe for different reasons. But well, yeah, we're yeah. Talking yeah. about Sorry, the same people, too. Sorry. Sorry. We're Sorry. not Sorry. in league back. with these people. Yeah, I'm not back, bad with those people. Hold up, Sarge, stand back. Let me, let, me, let me corner this guy. Stand back, Sarge. Let me corner this guy. He's in the corner. He's trying to fight back. He's like, he's like he's in the corner. corner. He's scratch back at me. Because you didn't listen now, to the documentary. Okay, let me go back to this, sir. Now, 
people who call themselves Jewish people, that's their religious culture, yep. they've, lived, they've lived as white people in the United States. They've never had any type of barrier based off their complexion. They, they acquired... Don't, they don't? They, they, Look, well, the last time I looked slaves. at a Jew, sir, I, they have they have these, they have almost like black uh, these locks and a beard and a hook nose. That, uh, no, they don't look anything certain, like my that's people. That's a certain sect. That's a certain sect of Jews. That's the Hasidim. But those all are the ones Jews I'm talking about that, that are in control. Look, those sir, are the ones in control. Jews, uh, Jews, have you ever Jews, seen the movie Jews. Gentleman's Agreement? You know what a covenant the European, is? European, Jew, European Jews who immigrated here are white people, sir. They're white people. They're white people. They kept and, Jews out of many areas in yeah. polite society. You ever and seen in the, the movie documentary, Gentleman's Agreement Gregory Peck? Yeah, and sorry, in the documentary we talked about the European Jews, uh, how they were controlling and how they funded, how they started World War One and World War Two. We that documentary we talked about that. Those are the people that are evil. They're in control and they're twisted and they believe in a Marxist communist government, and, they, and that's what they're trying to. Pro, uh, and they want to destroy all the other people, including blacks. Okay, the black people and the whites. They want to control. They want to control and destroy. If you listen to the documentary. You would have heard that, and that's what we're against. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this question, sir. During the antebellum era, over 60% of America's millionaires were in the South. In fact, they were along the Mississippi River from New Orleans going up to Vicksburg. 60% of America's millionaires, they were slaveholders, and they fought mm -hmm. a war to maintain their right to own people as property. That was and not what the war was about. Speeches, Pardon? That's not what the war was started well, they, over they or about. Them, in their succession articles, in their state legislative they convened, they said what it was about. Okay? Yes, they did. That's documented. You don't have to, you don't have to, invent, you don't have to make up anything. They said what That's it right. was about. Can you and read me? Can start, you read to me? Then they sought to, to expand. They sought to no, I'll tell you what you can do. You can verify. Don't take my word. You look it up yourself. Okay, you look I up have. those different. You look up those different succession statements by these different southern states. Okay, <sighs> I have now. Okay, okay. so don't tell. Well, so now these were these were white people. These were white people that made millions off of the trade in human beings and the production of cotton, and they fought a bloody war, seven hundred thousand dead. To maintain okay. that right, okay? Okay. And so you're going to tell me that all of escape this uh, condemnation of history, oh, they're not white. Oh, they're not white. This is not white. This is not white. You're stretching it, sir. You're stretching it. The country, we're not talking about that. What are you talking about? You're you're talking about certain periods of history where whites suppressed well, the, the black the people. Russians of course it's that happened. World War I. That happened. Okay. The Russians in World War One. I. I didn't start with that. You brought up the Russians okay. in World War One. I. I didn't start that. You started it all. Because that's okay. what led us to where we're at today. That was the hand okay. of what happened. That's why things unfolded. That <laughs> You're just not understanding. You're taking history and you're believing what you want to take out of history. Okay. And you want to that's criticize the doing. white. That's what you do as well. Sorry, go ahead. You, you want to say something? Well. Sorry. Okay. okay. First of all, you've got, uh, you got to understand that the economy of New York City and New York State alone, the GDP 
of New York City and New York alone was larger than the entire South, despite the millionaires. It was larger, just that one state. Second of all, um, the country was not built on slavery. The North yes, did not was. have slaves. The wealth of the United States the derived from slavery and the production. Yes, so the did not have slaves. The factories, the steel mills, the railroads, the city buildings, the riverboats, and the houses, for the most part, were not built by slaves. So the South with slaves built the country. Please, you ain't going to have much luck with sorry, that argument. Sorry. The value of enslaved persons was worth more than all the tools and machinery in the United States. It's very well That's documented. Not, read, a book not, call, read a book okay, called okay, The it Half was, Has it Never was, Been Told. Read a, book called, read a book called The Half Has Never Been Told. Mr. Okay? Warren, it's very if it well was, documented. If it was. So what? What are you going to, what are you talking number about? Two, now? What do you want? Number two, after the American Revolution, the United States had no banking system. Blacks were used as collateral for lines of credit. Enslaved black what? bodies pr- produced okay. the banking system in the United States. That's where okay. collateral came from. Huh. You used uh-huh. your slaves as property to get okay. the You never heard of colonial of script? Except, you because never heard you're not studying, you don't read history. Okay. You don't read, sir. You're in the talking okay. point. All right. Okay. okay. Since slavery robbed many white Southerners of jobs they could have had that were being held by slaves, who exactly benefited from slavery? A tiny percentage of white oligarchs in the South. Not yep. the general and Southern who population. Fought, and who fought? And in who fought? Who, 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 who made up the Confederate soldiers? Who made up the Confederate soldiers? Who made up the Confederate soldiers? Let me finish. Warren, so let again, finish. you've got a small oligarchy that's benefiting from slavery. The fact that they were so heavily reliant on an agrarian agricultural uh, economy retarded their industrial development and meant that they could not compete with the Union in a war of attrition when the war between the states started. They were actually retarded by slavery. Can, can I, they didn't can I jump in now? because of it. Can I, jump in, can I jump in now? You had a small yeah, group. Yeah, I'm pretty Hold quick when I make in. my comment if you just let me finish. A small group of whites benefited, but the, but the people who made up the ground troops to defend their way of life was working in poor white people. See, you just changed the subject. I didn't speak to that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't poor whites fought to defend slavery. Poor whites fought to defend slavery. And I can give you evidence to show you that their economy was retarded by their agrarian economy and slavery. But then you go to say it was poor white people who made up the ground troops who fought for the Confederacy. Who made up the ground troops in the Confederacy? That is true. Who I'm not arguing what you just said there. But you're trying what? to make the claim that slavery made the economy of the South mighty, and it didn't. It retired. No, no, no. Listen to what I'm saying. Slavery produced the wealthy class disproportionately in the United States. The, no, it the southern white, the southern uh, plantation and slave owners were among the wealthiest in the United States. They controlled Congress. They were powerful in the House and in the Senate. 
Okay. You now you now the now part of the Civil War was a contest over which way the country would go. Would it would the industrialized North win or would the Southern slave states that wanted to constantly expand as the U.S. acquired new territory, yes, there was a contestation between that. The South lost. The South okay. was then put into poverty uh, under development for quite some time. But the wealth okay. of the nation, because the, the northern factories depended on the slave, the production of the slave labor in the South. Wait a second. The, you the just meal, said that because the, they were the fighting for the freedom of the slaves. Whatnot. Wait a Pardon? second. They were fighting against the South for what? To get take the slaves from the South and let make them work in the North? Is that what they were no, fighting for? No, Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln said that in order to keep the Union, he would have kept slavery or he would have ended slavery. The white abolitionists, who today, by the way, would be your radicals and your leftists, and the blacks themselves who were enslaved fought to end slavery. Blacks left the plantation, joined the Union Army, to fight against the slave system. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So this but is 1867. The war whites, was over with. But poor, but, but poor whites, many of whom didn't own slaves, gave their life to defend the way of life of the slaveholders. How you like that? Okay. Okay. They lost. So now what happens? 1867. Now that's a long time ago. Well, what happens after that? Now, now who 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 well, you know, sir, it now? A lot of the issues. A lot of the issues as it relates mm-hmm. to what is called race relations today emanates from that time. Duh. No, no, no. Most people don't even know what took place during the Civil War today. They most don't even understand don't know what took place. Most people don't know what took place during the American Revolution, but you still talk about it. <sighs> but the the American South- Revolution was, was further away than the, the Civil War. So you're telling me that you suffer today because there's still hatred over the Civil War? Uh, excuse me, Mr. John. When, I'm going to go out when, and put my dog when, out in the yard. I'll be right back. All right. All right, when, all right. when the civil rights movement came into full fruition in the 1960s, it uh-huh. was because of things that had occurred after the Civil War. Okay. And it was still, and, and it was guess still who helped limited. bring those things that, hang on, who helped bring those occurrences? Whites. Whites. Right? Wait, 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 wait. Repeat that. You're confusing me now. Repeat what you're saying. You said the things that happened that brought the the the, uh, the product of the, the civil okay, rights let's, movement let's look at, happened let's after look at, the civil war. What, okay, let's look at what were what were black people fighting for during the civil rights movement. Number one, they were fighting for desegregate. No, 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 there were different issues. Let's look at them first. Yeah, they wanted to write the vote. Right to vote. No, no, wait, wait, wait. No, let's, let's look at them in order of how they occurred in Supreme Court cases and issues. Number well, one, I don't know the exact the order. De- the, the desegregation of schools. They wanted yeah, to have okay, a right that's to one issue. Yep. children. In the South. They wanted in the to South. have a right the to send their children. Hold on, in wait a minute. That happened in the Midwest also. Tobeka, uh, Tobeka versus the Board of Kansas. North, they were allowed to go to school. The Supreme Court case. Have you heard of the Supreme Court cases? Tobeka versus. But they were still allowed to go to school. Kansas is not in the South. Kansas is not in the South. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. So, so number one. Now, who created school segregation? Why was that even put in place in the first place? Okay. Well, obviously, number- obviously, when when the slaves were brought here, they were not considered uh, the same as the uh, as the whites. So no, they no, were slaves. After slavery, after slavery, 
black people started being able to go to school after slavery. But okay. during what was called Reconstruction, you familiar with that term, Reconstruction? That was yes, a, that was yes. a time period. That was a time period, approximately 1866 to 1890, when yep. black people began to participate. They began to black males began to vote, but there was a backlash by the whites to reclaim in the South, and yes. put the black oh, yeah. in place. In the, in the South, and then you had this law. This uh, case called Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896, that was a Supreme Court decision, which means separate but equal, that states had a right to have separate accommodations as long as they were equal, but they were never equal. That was the beginning of legal segregation. Okay. Okay. All right, my point Blacks, is... listen, listen, I agree with you 100%. Blacks were the minority. They're the minority race and people. And in any country, in most countries around the world, throughout history, the minority race has had to suffer. And in most cases, we're slaves, too. So what's the problem here? I agree with you. Well, let me okay? ask you a question. Why did, it take, why did it take to 2008 to elect a black president? 2008 to elect a, a, a black president because there wasn't one yeah, that ran that was qualified. You think Jesse Jackson was qualified to be president? No, 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 listen, no, you missed the point. Because a black president had to convince enough you, you white people to vote for him, that's many, why he didn't how get many black, How many black presidents have you had in the United States, in the United States? Uh, again, how many are you supposed to have? Yeah, I know. No, no, how many am I supposed question. to have? No, the question, is, the question is, if your answer is you just got one, are you saying that no blacks were ever qualified uh, no, to ever I, be I'm president not, I'm of the United How many are we supposed to have? No, no, that's not yeah. that's not the question. Why? Why? No, why is the just question. not having one? Have as many presidents as people are willing to vote for for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're skirting around the issue. The issue is because of white racism against There's black one. people. That's There's the issue. There has been one. There's only one president. There has been we know one that. after after how long? After how long existence of the United States? Look, if you fail to convince something odd years to vote for you for whatever reason that you don't deserve to be president, let the guy answer the question, Sarge. Okay, so the issue is somebody might ask you if you go out of the country, for example, or somebody, and they ask you why, why has it taken that long to have a black president? What would you say to them? I would say there hasn't been no one, one has a right to be president. Let the guy, let the, let the white guy answer, Nobody has a right Sarge. to be president. Not Sarge, white, let the not white black. guy answer. You've got to convince let the people to vote for you. Okay, Go ahead, sir. What I'm would answering you say what Sarge said. Nobody okay. has a right to be president. That's the point I I'm trying to make. Well, that, that's, a, that's an escape. That's you running with a dog between your legs. No, it's a fact. What answer do you want? What answer do you want? What answer do you want? The would answer you, is to, to be honest. You to be honest. I'm being you would honest. say, "Lamb or sir." It was to not honest, one that was qualified. <sighs> you, no, was you to be honest, you would say, "You would say, ma'am or sir." The reason why it's taken so long to have a black president is because we've had a history of racism against black people in the United States. That's why no. black people were prevented. No. Black people yeah. for a while were prevented from. Voting, and then when they weren't able to vote, it was brief, and then they were intimidated and killed and terrorized in many states for even attempting to register the vote. That's true. That's true. All so right. what? That's true. Now, I'm, I'm going to grant you part of your argument because I want to move on here. I'm going to grant yeah, you that racism factored in the fact that no one wanted 
outside of maybe people in the black community wanted to even and consider I'll agree to that. And I'll agree. black That's I'm all I'm going to give y'all to be honest. That's all. Did you let me make my point and then ask you a question? I mean, I don't speak that long. Just give me a shot, will you? You, you All right, you, again, I'd like to start. Let me start all over again. I won't be long. Just be patient. All right, now, again, I'm going to give you your argument that racism factored in the people not wanting to vote for a black president. Okay, they, that was it. That was a great deal of it, if not all of it. Now, nonetheless, we had a saying in the black community, given the reality of racism that you constantly speak about, 60, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, the country is irredeemably racist. So the person running as president, a black, like, say, Shirley Chisholm or Barbara Jordan or any of the other worthies who tried to be president running as black, they had to be, as we always told our children, you got to be twice as good to go half as far. So if they wanted to be president and they wanted to convince enough Americans to vote for them in the irredeemably racist country that the United States is, they had to be twice as good, four times as good, to convince people to vote for them. Otherwise, you cannot be president. Period. What's your point? Okay. My point is that you're you're complaining that people didn't want to vote for a a black president, and your vote is your sacred right for any reason to vote for or against. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining. No, no, no. I'm not complaining. What I'm doing is is I'm being truthful and honest about the situation of black people in the United States. You guys are saying that that's not true. Now, let me say this. Even when Barack Obama ran for president, it was very clear to me that a lot of powerful whites wanted him to be president just so they can say America <clears throat> is the black president. Obama <laughs> did have You're cover. assuming that. Obama You're assuming that first Obama, Hang on. What's facts? Let me finish. What facts? Let me finish. You have to back that up. Let me finish. Obama, Obama was given cover by the corporate media. It was as if he was some sort of Christ. Coming, everybody knows that. Well, Joe Why? Biden's given that today. Joe Biden no, well, is given that today. We, we so what are you trying black, to say we, here? We talking about we talking about we talking about the first black person to run a serious. Of course, they're going to give him prestige coverage. He received, the first black president. He of course, Obama received help from the corporate elite in all okay. areas to be this have... first black president. Now let me say this. Okay. Let me say what's going to happen now. Let me say what's going to happen now. Let me, let me give my predictions now about this presidential election. In the Republican camp, this is what I believe is going to happen. DeSantis and Trump and Pence and all of them are going to be going at each other, and what's going to happen is everybody's going to start saying, this is the way it's being set up. This is a brilliant chess move on the part of the Republicans, by the way. The white guys are going to be going at each other, and then people are going to say they're tired of all of them, Look at Tim Scott, and then they go, because why? The Republican Party believes it has to redeem itself from the image of being the party of the races, and they're I, going to cover I, I don't Tim believe Scott, that. and they're going to walk Tim Scott into that nomination. That's what I believe. No, Not they won't. wrong, but I believe that's the way it's being set up right now. They Cause, won't. Because what you right know, now is you guys, you guys who are hardcore Trump supporters, you're very confused right now. And you're confused no, on purpose. Confused. They, got confused. they got you confused on purpose. So it's going to be DeSantis and Trump c- 
criticizing each other. You're going to have Nikki Haley in there, Mike Pence in there. All right, but the all black right, guy, okay. the black guy is going to quietly coast. That's your the prediction. The black guy is going to quietly coast along, and he's, he's going to get that nomination. Just, okay. Just got uh, okay. Nomination. All right, okay. that's your prediction. All right, no, go ahead. You have your prediction now, Sarge. All right, well, I, I, I don't really have a – well, you know, I think it's too early to make a prediction right now. One thing I know for sure, Tim Scott ain't got a prayer, snowball chance yeah. of hell to get the public nomination. <laughs> yeah, I know. Haley. Watch how it works out. None of them have got watch a it works out. Shot. But wait a minute, I want to deal with his argument of just a moment ago. That's what I want to deal with. I want to deal with this argument that Republicans have to bend over backwards to re- uh, reparate their racial image in the eyes of yep. either the United States or black people. And I want to speak yep. to that. Now, I, I, on the one hand, it sort of undercuts your argument. And on the other hand, it sort of reinforces your argument because the argument, if it is true, means that the Republicans are racist. It is yep. evidence of racism if they are doing it for that motive. Now, on the other hand, it undercuts your, your argument by showing that the country is so anti-racist for whatever ulterior motive that now they have to bend over backwards to this kind of absurd scheme in order to redeem their image. Because the country now won't accept an overt image of racism. So what we are trying candidate. to explain is hey, what hey, I was trying to explain to you. Wait a minute, let me finish. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. What I just tried to explain to you a moment ago was that back then, when I said a black presidential candidate had to be four times as good to go half as far, because as you said, there was an element of racism in denying a black president the office. But given the fact that you just lack all perspective in this matter, you fail to see that that atmosphere is no longer the case. It is transformed. It is now to some degree a different sort of a racial image to the point of overcompensating for the past racism. No, let, let me, let me here go to caveat. Hang on, hang on. I want to say something here now. I want to say something. Uh, are there racist and prejudiced people in the Republican Party? Yes, and there is also in the Democratic Party. Are blacks discriminated against in this country? I believe silently there are people that have negative remarks towards blacks, but... You're always going to have that. And you know what? It's the same way in the black community, if not more, towards whites. So the bottom line is this. You're always going to have a divide amongst the people. There's always going to be those few. But the bottom line is, as a policy, hang on, as a policy, as a policy, it's not the way it's practiced anymore out in the open like it was years ago. And it's actually wrong. And a lot of people realize that. So it's not the same as it was. Now, now let me let me say this, Joe. You see, you see, black people have always reacted to how they've been treated. So, as humans, you have angry black people. Now, when you look at the character, when you when you look at the character George Jefferson in the Jefferson, and people oh use George as people use George as some reason. Remember, George Jefferson was a black man born in segregated America. And he's, yeah, so he's angry at how he has to witness him and other blacks being treated. You have to give him that. You got to give him that. Okay. No, he wasn't Number angry. Two, he was actually quite happy and content with his life. No, if he was, yeah, by but the actor. You, have to put his, you have to put his George Jefferson attitude in context. 
George and in fact, he wouldn't tolerate. Yeah. He wouldn't tolerate no talk of racism. As a matter of fact, and and and, and the bums out there who are taking advantage of the system, who are slinging crack and drugs and blaming the white man, he looked down upon those people. So no, George, no, 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 that's not true. George, George, if you looked at episodes, George Jefferson always reached back where he came from in the ghetto. Him and his yeah, wife, he would he help out the less fortunate, but he his, would never make his, excuses his for anybody. Distrust, his, his distrust and his uncomfortableness, rightfully so and understandably so, was with certain types of white people. And, okay. and, and it was the vice versa. But that's a, a comedy uh, show. He was you know, you can't base your facts conservative, on that. actually. The character yeah. George Jefferson was very socially conservative. When it came mm-hmm. to behavior, tolerate people who acted like the N-words. He didn't like them yep. at all. Yep. George, Jefferson, George Jefferson himself acted like the N-word, if you will, on many occasions. Okay? His whole ah. character, he was loudmouth. He was loudmouth. And and other type of things he did, but that's that's not the all point. All right, all right, the all right. Point but, here, but again, the that's point not. Here, but what's your the point? The point then? here is this. The point here is this. In both cases, the Democrats having pushed a black person to be president, and all the Republicans who may try to do the same, the blacks president is not allowed to do anything for black people. That comes with that. <laughs> that comes with that. Because the whites, like yourself, Joe, will be expecting the black president to do something for the blacks. And no, so no, you no, can't wait. possibly get white votes. You can't possibly no, get white votes. No, wait a minute. No, when you make a statement have. like that, so, that is so unfocused. You've got to focus. What is the black president supposed to do for black people? Specifically, <laughs> what sort of policies is he supposed to adopt that are, quote, for black people? Well, that, I mean, that's a, look. That's a legitimate question, but nonetheless, all groups look for a representation of themselves in the power that they and, and hope that, that, and hope that, that all groups, all all groups feel. It's an exciting time when there's a representative from their group in the power that dynamic, and that, and that, that representative. Anyone, but the federal branch of the United States government. I know, I know. The problem with Sarge, Sarge, Sarge. He's not a king, Ward. I don't understand why you can't understand that in our system of government. He's not a representative. He's the chief yeah. executive officer of the federal branch of the United States government. You have representatives in the House of Representatives, and you have senators for the states. That's your representation. Yeah, he can't do anything specific for the black people. He's not a king. <laughs> Otherwise, he's got no business being in a job. He's going to be a president for black people. He's going to be a president for the United States and the United States people, the chief executive yep. officer of the federal branch of the government. He does things for black people because he does things for white people. He does things for the American people. That's right. Warren? I'm, Warren. I'm listening. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean what, do you think, what do you think a president's job is supposed to be, Warren? No, you, you're missing. You're missing. No, no, you're missing. No, no, listen, listen. Listen to me. Calm down. Groups who have been marginalized always look at a person from their group who makes it into the echelons of power as some sort of symbolic victory. 
that they are no longer isolated, that their issues and concerns will not be ignored. Even with Irish people, when Kennedy became president, an Irish Catholic, that was considered symbolic for Catholic people in general and for many Irish people in general mm-hmm. as well. Even Joe Biden brags today and constantly brags about his pride for his Irish heritage. Okay? So all groups who have been marginalized or who felt they've been marginalized, they get excited about one of their own ascending to a position. What I'm saying is that in the case of Obama being made the first black president, that was something that the power elite and many whites utilized as an example that there's no more racism, and therefore the persistent issues that exist should be ignored because, after all, we got a black president. There is no racism. And so I believe the Republican Party, because of its image, and, and, and most black voters overwhelmingly do not even go near the Republican Party, in order to strategize from strategy standpoint, in order to attempt to peel just a few more black votes with the Democrats, they'll put Tim Scott in there as, 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 the, as the nominee. Well, I don't and, want him in there because cause he's not qualified. Well, well you see, see, it, it, I see what's going to happen. I, 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 know I actually agree with him when he says that there is a celebratory aspect to someone of your ethnic group ascending to a high position. Of course there is. And of yeah. course people celebrate it. But here's what people need to eschew their hopes and aspirations from when that person gets there. They have to realize that he's going to be true to his oath and his office. He has to govern in a manner that doesn't show favor for anyone other than what the law and the Constitution allows him to show favor to them in, into with. Correct. That's what they got to get rid of. They got they got to celebrate it, be happy about it. Say, Isn't it great that one of ours got there? And at the same time, realize they have a job due because they took an oath. And when they start getting disappointed because he's not doing for us, he's doing his for the illegal, for the gays, or I mean, well, you know what? That's when you run into trouble. Yeah, but, but you guys yeah. are saying that. Not, yeah, but you see how. How hypocritical you are. Aren't you saying the same thing with Biden? What he's doing for the illegals, what he's doing for China? You're saying the same thing yourself. Because it's bad for the country. It's because bad for he's the country. Not enforcing the laws faithfully. That's yeah. what he's been yeah. to do. Yeah. We've got immigration laws that he's violating. <laughs> he's, not, he's not taking care to see that the laws are faithfully executed. Yeah. He's That's why we're bitching mm-hmm. about it. I mean, if he freaking was, would do something good for the country, I don't have a problem with Biden at all, for goodness sake. Oh, and I have sake. a question I mean, for both you. I have another historical question I hope you all can help me out with, because I haven't been able to uh, find it. You, tell, you all say that there were white slaves in the United States. I want to know what year they became emancipated. What was the legal action <sighs> that white slaves became free? I got my pen and paper here ready to write yeah, it down. I don't know the answer to that. Sorry, action. Did you know that Andrew Johnson was a fugitive from an indentured contract? He actually escaped with manacles on his feet in order to leave the state he was indentured in to get away. Did you know that? Andrew Johnson. You didn't ask, you didn't ask the question, sorry. He had been what, an indentured, what, but he was a contract what was, the, what was the historical he event ran away from that it, emancipated white slaves? They had him up there looking for him as being a fugitive. What was the what was the historical event that emancipated white slaves? 
Okay, there was none. Wait, 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 I'm, I'm, because, because I hear, I hear these guys like, like the host say that there was slavery here in the United States. Well, look, I'm a historian. You ought to know that, but I, amateur, but I'm still a historian, so, so, and so, I don't so, make things so, up. So, I don't make thought, things up. Not so. I don't make you things do up. Know, I, I'm not so. Indigenous servitude, by the way, for me, is close enough to slavery. Has to not make a huge difference. When you're yeah, in there for like decades, but what was the date? But what was the date? That they were emancipated. I've already stipulated that they wasn't one. <laughs> All right, now. I mean, I don't mind telling the truth. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I am very much aware of white slavery. The Vikings enslaved other whites and sold them. You had the Corsair, the Barbary Corsairs, many of whom were Arabs, uh, even, who, who went to Europe and raided churches. But guess what? At the very same time, other blacks were being enslaved and sent to other parts of the world. So it wasn't whites were singled out to be slaves as Africans later became singled out in the, four, in the 15th century onward. Right. There was a New York professor. I can't think of her name right now. It's going to come to me when I think hard about it. She was having, I watched a discussion on YouTube she was having with another scholar. And they were going back and forth about whether or not Africans would have enslaved people. And, you know, and uh, when the man was pointing out, for instance, the fact, uh, how the Songhai, the Mali, and the Zulu mm-hmm. empires, they enslaved mm-hmm. other people on, as they built their regional empires. And then mm-hmm. she said, but, but Africans never did that to Europeans. And he was pressing her on the issue. And she said, no, they didn't do that to Europeans. He said, no. But he said, because they didn't have the capability. In other words, they didn't build blue water ships. They go across the seas, but and they, they had the but, organization But she implied that if they did have the capability, they would have done it. But, sorry, here go the difference in the argument. There was no need for them to do that. They had everything they needed right where they lived. They had everything. There was no need for them to go over the water and claim another people's land and displace the population. And because in Europe, you had economic turmoil in Europe. You had poverty. And you had a need for Europeans had to leave Europe to seek wealth because there was no wealth at home. Okay. And they all got exposed to the greater world during the Crusades. That's when Europeans learned there was salt, there were spices for food, because European food is nasty. There's no, no. taste to it. I lived in London. I lived no, in London. I can tell you how Columbus, awful the Columbus food is. Columbus was looking for a route to the Indies because the Muslims had the, uh, the normal trade routes blocked in Spain and elsewhere. That's why he was looking for another route to trade to get away from the okay. Muslim domination of the eastern part of Europe, or the western part of Europe. Oh, okay. So, so I mean, so the fact anyway. of the matter is that, yes, these people were intent and did conquer parts of Europe, just like the Mongols did, 
Who? So what people? Was, what look, people? You just what made people? an argument Wait, what for the empire. You what, just Todd, made an people? argument for the Europeans to go abroad and conquer because they needed things. You just said it. No, Sarge. Africans had no need to leave where they were because they had all the riches. In, who was the richest man in history? Mansa Musa, the king said. of Mali. Mansa yeah, Musa went on. Say, uh, Joe, you from? You're the Mansa Musa, Joe. What's that? I didn't hear you. What? Have you heard of Mansa Musa? Allegedly, the richest man who ever lived. Ain't no allegedly. I mean, that that guy. The Rothschilds are the richest family that ever lived. Okay, well, Joe, 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 listen, Joe, Joe, I want you to, Joe, I want you to Google. He said Joe, he was the richest guy who ever lived. Joe, Joe, I want you to yeah. Google who were the richest people in history. And one of the names you're going to find is a guy named Mansa Musa, who was a king huh? in medieval Mali in the 1200s. Okay. Well, Mansa Musa went on a hajj to Mecca. A pilgrimage, that is, to Mecca, like most Muslims try to do that. Uh-huh. He, when he comes from Mecca on his trip back, he had so much gold with him that when he stopped in Cairo, he dropped so much gold in Cairo, there was inflation. He's known, he's known to be probably the richest man in history, a black guy. See, these people had stuff in the land. They didn't have to go out like Europeans had to go out because they were hungry and starving because you had a feudal system where you had monarchy owning all the land. In England, starving, I lived in I mean, England. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, history, see, I, that's been real history. That's been real history. You're the kind of student that would be sitting in class, Joe, snoring in a history class. Huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know about any of <laughs> What are you talking about? You make it sound like the Africans were the kings of the world and they conquered everything. And they, I mean, no, no, where, where no they, that's from? the whole point. They didn't have to. They didn't have to leave the region because they had everything. They Europeans did. had to leave because Europeans had nothing. Really? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, now that's a bit of a stretch. To say they had nothing. It was the wealth of the Americas and Africa that made Europe within the last 500 years the wealthiest place on earth. But that is now coming to an end thanks to China and Russia and the multipolar world. Well, how did Europe get everything? How did Europe the European get everything? presence in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, the interior of so, Africa, let Joe, so, did let not Joe even ask begin so, until the late 19th so, century, so, and they so, had most you African questions. countries had obtained their independence Joe. by the 1960s. Joe, the so question, we're really Joe? talking about 70 years that the Europeans had any colonial presence in Africa. I mean, sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Joe, what's your question, Joe? Wait, well, I, mean, I want you to respond to that, though, sir. Yeah, I want you to respond to that. The Europeans did not go in the sub-Saharan Africa until the late 19th century. Go ahead, Joe. I'd like to know when, when, in your view, Warren, that the Europeans, like, gained all this power and control that, that, that caused them to go over to Africa and kidnap everybody and, and the, destroy the, the African network. The... Right. Well, what happened was there wasn't a white, there was a, I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to talk. There was a white slave trade, Joe. There were many white Turks 
uh, and they were white that were enslaved in the Arab-controlled areas of North Africa. Many of those Arabs uh, had taken a lot of whites. There was a group in Egypt called the Mamelukes who revolted against the Arabs. The Mamelukes were Turks. And it was at that point that pretty much what we call the white slave trade stopped. And the focus became solely on the African communities uh, on the coast. The Portuguese was the first European nation to engage in the transport of Africans from the west coast of Africa to Portugal. So many of the blacks that wind up in the U.K. and Spain, they came by way of the Portuguese. And it's at this point that the Pope, the Catholic Church, began to develop justifications for singling out black people to be slaves. One was the myth of the curse of Ham, which, by the way, was developed by the Jewish rabbis and what is called the Tammuz created that myth. And then that myth goes into the Arabic-speaking Muslim lands where blacks are looked upon as being the result of the curse of Ham. Later in the 18th century, European universities such as the University of Göttingen in Germany began to develop theory that say that black people are less than human, they're inferior, so on and so forth. This becomes the justification that kind of uh, girded the trade that Europeans involved in of African people. In the conquest of the Americas, in Mexico and Peru, where there was lots of silver, that enriched Spain, that enriched Portugal, and then the sugar. So we can go on and on about this, Joe. That's how well, yeah, you trade. So they didn't kidnap these people? What, what, no, trade would be when they traded, with the nations traded with each other, European nations traded with each other. Okay. Yeah, so the, they went on that coast, well, well, what about the Africans? Well, many African elites got kidnapped and captured themselves. That's very well documented. Their really? Children, so they got conquered by the whites. Absolutely. They got look. There's so many well documented stories of that. It's not even funny about how a, a person who was a king or a prince wound up on well, some what happened to the conquered land over there. What, we just gave it up? The whites just gave it up? Again, that wasn't for a very long period. Joe, I can't hear. Go ahead, Joe. What you ask, Joe? That was a very short period of time in historical wait, wait, time. Joe, I mean, it Star, wasn't you're even being, a century. Sarge, you're being rude. You're being rude. The man's trying to learn. You're dominating the conversation. But the man is asking me the question, Joe. Because you never time yourself, I've been timing you. Go ahead, Joe. What was the question, Joe? All right, just one question here. You're doing it. One question. So when did the whites give up all this land and territory, or who conquered it over the whites? Wait, wait, what land, wait, what land are you talking about? Well, you, you said they went question. into the African tribal lands and conquered the kings no, there. No, no, no. For, for a long time, the Europeans were relegated to the coastal areas for a very long time because the whites That's couldn't go into the interior. The whites couldn't go into the interior many times because of stuff like malaria and so on and so forth. So they cultivated communities on the coastal areas. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead, then, Sarge. So, so all this, right. So this went on. This yeah, went on you possibly. answered. You answered. Okay. Okay. You answered. Go ahead, Sarge. See, again, I'm trying to stress the fact, and he's ignoring it, that the Europeans did not enter the interior of South.
sub-Saharan Africa until late in the 19th century. And by 1960 or 65, most of the countries they had colonized had gained their independence. Historically, it was a brief time. It was nothing like the Roman Empire. It was nothing like but, the Greek but Empire. It, but it, it was it, a brief but, period but it, of time. But it was very devastating. It was like hundreds of years but it was very devastating. And it wasn't. It was very devastating, Assad. The colonial period was very devastating on the people in the area. Just ask the people from Congo about how the Belgians treated the Congolese. Ten million no, people I'll, killed. I can tell you all about that. I know about that. Okay, so, okay, so basically, Joe, is that, you know, so basically, Joe, saying, Joe, so Joe, what Sarge is saying is from a conquest are frequently detrimental to the people that are conquered. That is nothing new. What okay, I am what saying that? is, how is that it wasn't forever. I like, I, like, I like the questions you're asking, Joe. And, okay, what do they got to do today? Because today, Joe, that's an excellent question, Joe, people are responding to things that happened in the past. So when you look at, for example, just the very fact that so many black people got excited because Barack Obama was elected, people crying in the corner, people saying, I never thought I'd see the day, has a lot to do with the fact that for so long, black people had been shut out of various aspects of power in the well, United States. what happened then? They were happy. They were crying. What happened then? They what were crying they were cr- because it was the first black president that they never thought would happen. So what was so when Donald Trump got elected thought, that made him mad why now? Did black people, why did black people never thought that they'd see a black president? Because for so well, long... Wait a second. Okay, 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 that's fine. But what happened then after Obama's term was up? Why the anger again towards Trump? What happened? What, what, what? They think that the well, black wait, president wait, 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 has to be forever all, now? First of all, you got... First of all, you got different political parties. So people are going to align themselves based on the political party that they identify with. So but the, no, no but the anger, the marching, is, I mean, it, it, you know. Somebody's going to be mad with somebody. But the well, oh no 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 no! I didn't go take out my anger on Democrats when they won, when Biden won. I didn't go marching up and down the street with my white crowd and and burn down my well, neighborhoods. Well, and, when did that happen with Trump? When, when did that happen with Trump? Explain well, that. Every I'm, I'm single injustice that happened during the Trump presidency, BLM was marching and protesting. <laughs> you know what? What happens? What? Well, hang on. Let me finish now. There's blacks being gunned down by police right now uh, this year. Why no BLM? No, why no marches? Why why we are we mad at the White House? What's going on here? Well, there are there's so much happening in communities all over. A lot of it has to do with the fact unless the corporate media makes it a story, people just don't know. They had a I had a boy <laughs> in Mississippi. There was a boy in Mississippi just last week, a little boy Police responded to a call. In fact, the boy was the one that called 911. And the police go in the house. It was a domestic issue. And the police go into the house and tell somebody, come from around the corner. So the little boy comes, and he shoots the little boy, right? You'd be yeah. surprised how much, how, how many, you'd be surprised of the yeah, incidences of police I know, shooting it black every people. day. So why? But yeah, it happens every day. So, right. And why so, is this not being stopped? Well, because you have the, because of the persistence because of the persistence of racial hatred for black people in this country. But, but, but again, you have a now you have a different administration. You have a black uh, vice president now. Okay, so but but there's but nothing's being changed. Why not? Absolutely, that's a good observation. You're right. Nothing being changed. Right. 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 
and they let her be vice president, just like Obama, who's not even a national-born yeah. citizen. Yeah, but hang on. He made a comment that everybody was happy. Sarge, hang on, hang on. I'm getting to my point here. Everybody was happy when Obama, okay? So everyone was hysteria. They were shell-shocked, I guess you could say, like they like to say when you old do. Right, right. Okay, well, now you got Biden and a black VP. Are they still shell-shocked? I mean, come on. Where's the change? Change needs to happen. What's going on? You're right. Change needs to happen. But nobody's under okay. the illusion that any of this stuff actually would change because of the black person there. You just have an element of the population that, that That's not does. what you said earlier. That you said yeah, they I would be able to You said you would be, when your people, when like the Irish had, a, had somebody elected, you would expect uh-huh. them to look out. You know, there'd be a, 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 an right. expectation right. of change, you know, a, a pat right. on the back or something. But anyway, well, let's right. look at this. You're telling me that the black neighborhoods are better off during the Democratic uh, liberal policies throughout the cities and the country today than they were during the Trump uh, administration when uh, unemployment uh, for the black uh, community was way no, less? Trump, Trump. Trump was in there for four years. You hopefully you're not uh, of the illusion for four years everything was just so great for everybody in Trump. Come on now. No, they, no, no. But they were better. It was better. No, no, I mean, that's, that's, no, no, uh, no, that's, no, no, no. I disagree oh, with that. That's jobs? No, 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 uh-uh, no. I can no. tell you firsthand. You, as and, a small then, and then what made owner. things worse? What made what made things even more difficult? You had the COVID situation came about. That was at the end of his presidency, but in the beginning yeah, and, and in the is, middle, what I'm saying people is, people spent uh, money better and more when Trump was in there, and people were more happier, confident with their, they were spending their dollar. Blacks were actually thriving in the black community, at least where I'm from. <laughs> I see more businesses, more houses being built. Well, that's what that, that's the talking point. That's the talking point you're using. That's the talking point you're using there, Joe. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just Joe, saying. More houses, uh, there's no building going on right now. Matter of fact, businesses uh, yeah, are Joe. leaving. And don't forget, yep. don't forget, George Floyd was killed under Trump presidency too. And you had the biggest <laughs> protest that you had seen since the 1960s. Also, don't forget about that. I understand. Right. Well, go ahead, George. I know when St. George of Fentanyl died. But look, I want to go back and revisit this question you said earlier when you accused uh, most of the unrest in Africa was due to Western nations being involved in agitating the existing strife over and above what it should have been in order to uh, accrue to the benefit of Western nations. Now, I'd like to ask you about what happened in Biafra. Then I would like to ask him what policies he'd like to you see Do you have any opinion about what happened in Biafra when, in the Nigerian Civil War? Absolutely. The very existence of a Nigeria is a result of colonial power that is the U.K. having created that state, actually giving it the name. Frederick Lugard's wife gave it the name from the Niger River. And so what the British did was they took these different regions, the north, the southwest, the southeast in general, and then they created this state called Nigeria. So the tension with the Biafran War, which was the Igbo area, all of that is a result of the colonial experience. The British created the mess. Okay? All right. Why can't they change it And there wasn't any existing ethnic strife for them to exploit, though, was there? No, oh, they created ethnic strife where oh, there was none. That's a tactic. That's a tactic the colonial officials. The colonial officials use ethnic strife as a tactic to rule, divide and rule. Just like in Rwanda, it is now known the role of the French and the Catholic Church in actually creating this tension.
distinction between the Tutsis and the Hutus. It was never something that was there before the Europeans came in. They created those tensions. I could tell you something right now, Sam Childress, who's been over okay. there. I could tell. I've right, spoken to him personally. Minute, okay, I can tell you right now that 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 there, that were, there were these ethnic divisions, and they were riven by by competition over placement in the government, particularly in medicine, for instance. Oh, oh, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't forget what, what, these countries saw it. These countries were colonial. These countries. These countries are colonial. Yo, that the government uh, has to offer like they're doing in the United States right now. Yo, and the same yo, thing I, happened in Biafra with the Igbos, the Yoruba, and the Fulani. Created by the British. The British no, created it wasn't. Nigeria. It was the British it created Nigeria. So, Joe, this is what I'm saying, Joe. This is what I'm saying. With the exception of Ethiopia, all of the present-day African countries, their boundaries is a result of the colonial boundaries that their colonial overlords had. Okay, so, for so example, let's ask, so why can't they be fixed then today? Why can't they be fixed? You can't throw that a past and, and make that not relevant to today. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That. That's, 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 that's true, that's uh, wrong uh, Warren. That's true, Warren, but since when has not boundaries been formed by conquest, colonization, war? What do you think happened with Yugoslavia? Because when the boundaries Wait a minute, will you please answer my question? You act as though it only happened in Africa. It happens all around the world as a result of colonization and conquest. It happened in Yugoslavia, for instance, he's saying. That's yeah, what he's trying to Yugoslavia say. wasn't an organic state. It was cobbled yeah. together after the you know? First World War. So how do they, you know, again, I'm they're fixed today. amazing why you think these things are exclusive to Africa and European we're conquest. Talking, we're talking about Africa. What are you all switching to different topics because for? Because like, you can't like, do like, it It's like, we're like, like, using Joe, Joe is like this, Joe. Joe is like this. Once I get y'all nailed on one point, y'all escape and jump off to something else. No, we're responding you, you to questions. your point. You're the one that's ignoring ours. Yeah. You, I mean, we're trying, really we're trying no, to use you, examples you, you examples made the that point similar. you said that the British exploited the strife in Biafra. The British created it. You said the British literally created all the of the British, strife absolutely. in Nigeria when you create, and caused the Biafras to break away Joe, from Nigeria Joe, and start a civil war. That is what Joe, you said. Joe, okay, let me answer, let me answer, Sarge. And what we're going to tell you is this is nothing new. Let him answer. answer. When you, as a colonial power, define the boundaries of a nation and you put people of different language and culture groups into one territorial boundary and then they have to compete with each other and you use a certain group, you give a certain group privileges in Uh the... Uh, civil jobs, police jobs, in the army, you created something that never existed before. You created uh, okay. the ethnic tension. Okay. That's not true either. That's not true. Let him, I know it's not true, but let them go with that, Sarge. Okay. How does it get fixed today then? Because nobody's By, stopping them from fixing it. Well, here goes the thing. See, what you all are assuming 
is that these colonial powers in the United States are not involved in the internal affairs of these countries. If you believe that, you are absolutely wrong. <sighs> relationships, the type of relationships they have with these powers like the U.S., the U.K., and France. Right now, in many of the former French, uh, well, the former French colonies in Africa, like in Senegal, Burkina Faso, Central African okay. Republic, Mali, they hate the French. In Guinea, they hate okay. the French. And they're pointing All out right. how the French it, are the okay. cause of the situation in their country. Now, let me tell you this, Joe. Are you familiar with the If they break away, guess what will happen? You'll see more hunger over there that you've never seen before. Well, see, that's, You'll see, see the Twisties and the Hutus really that, kill each other. That, that, that's called paternalism, Joe. That's where racism come in at. Because you don't no, believe No, 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 no. The French walked that, away and they, no, and, Joe, they, and they just me, Joe, broke away. Now, that's a liberal, now, Joe, that's a liberal attitude. Exactly what you're saying, that they need us. They need us white people because they can't do it by themselves. They can't well, think their own they problems. Do? So we, well, okay, but if so they walk away, they can't try or... like Joe, 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 so many times these countries have tried to go their own way in their own development just to get stopped by the U.S. and the EU countries. Oh, no, 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 no. We saw what happened when they broke away. That's how Coney came into power, okay? And now we have one million, one million children and women oh, and men slaughtered. I don't okay. know why I, do, why, I, Lord, why I waste my time and, and do this. Why do I well, waste my time? I'm talking about French, the French in Africa. You know what happened in the Ivory Coast, right? The French colonized I, the Ivory Coast. I, know, I don't know too much about that part, but go Yo, ahead. Let me tell you this, Joe. Joe, have you heard of the CFA Franc? The CFA Franc. The countries uh, not really. in Africa. All right, let me let me tell you this real briefly. The countries that were colonized strong by France. Strong man France, comes to power. Another strong the, the man African gets to power. Another one comes to power. Another strong yeah, man. Yeah, let him finish, Sergeant. Let him finish. Let him finish. Strong let man looks at various European the, the or United States not, powers, not Joe, let me the red communist block powers, whoever they can get who's going to give them a backing, which is nothing new, by the way, in history. Joe. Yeah, but let him finish, Sergeant. Let him finish. I want to hear how he's going to get this fixed. Go ahead. The African countries that were colonized by France. I can't hear to this that. Day, that might be my phone. I mean, yeah, yeah, to this day, the African countries that were colonized by France have to put their money in the French Central Bank. And when they do transactions, they literally have to get permission from the Central French Bank. It's called the CFA Franc. That's how imprisoned and enslaved Guess what, guess what, France Warren? Are. That's how America is, too. We have well, to get permission well, from the Federal Reserve. Well, so but, yeah, but the it. point is, but don't you see the correlation between these countries not really being independent and being and being enslaved by France? And what, do you think we're, what do you think we're arguing about? What do you think we're arguing well, about here from not being independent? Yeah, we're slaves to the Federal is, Reserve. But see, what you're doing is, you're making it an ethnic racial thing by singling out Jews. That's what I don't agree with. They're the ones that own the banks. They well, own the banks. I, I agree with you that disproportionately 
Jew, but they're white. Jews are still, oh, those Jews are white. I don't care what color they are. They're evil. Okay. Well, I mean, but you don't single out their religion. Then you get in trouble when you single out their religion. Why? You become Why? Known as because an it's a fact. It's a fact, though. I have to no, no, yeah, but, 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 but what's the difference between what's the difference between greedy capitalist Christians and greedy cap? They call them Gentiles, rather, and greedy because capitalist Jews. Because they're not Jews. the majority the stockholders, Warren. Because they're not the majority yeah. stockholders of the central banks around the world. If they were, I'd call them out too. But is they're Bill not. Bill Gates a Jew? Is Bill Gates a Jew? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So he's a Jew. I didn't know you was Jewish. I didn't know that. Yes, he is. So is Rupert Mur- Murdoch of, of what about uh, Fox. Sam Walton? What about Sam Walton and the Koch brothers? Are they Jewish? Uh, the Koch brothers are, yes. Oh, wow. Yep. You're teaching me something. I didn't know that. I didn't know. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, see, but, see, but the question is, what difference does it make what religion they practice? Well, green, you're right. Green. Why does it make a difference? I'm just saying that. Well, isn't it odd though that all these people are in control and they practice that religion? I mean, if they're doing wrong, then we got to call them out for it. If they a happen to be Jew, well, they are. Well, but here's the thing: where you're gonna get in trouble with, like with anything else, is the racism part. When you single out an ethnic group, when you single out an ethnic group and make them your problem. You're right. Then, 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 then people won't listen to your argument. But what are we going to do? As a what black are we going to do? Hold up. The as fact, a black person, pull up. As a, as a black person, the evidence and documentation is very clear about who has done and who does what. Now, even yeah, black but if people they were all trouble, blacks, if, if they, listen, if they were all blacks, right? If they were all blacks, which, uh, which you know, say they control everything, and they were causing the problems, and I said, look, if these are the people that are doing it, and people are going to say, well, it just so happened they're all black, you're a racist. Now, that's wrong to say that. Look, if they're doing wrong, they're doing wrong. If they're a spade, they're a spade. If it's white, it's white. It doesn't make a difference. You know, if it's but, wrong, it's wrong. I, w- I but, wish it wasn't Jews. I wish it was. I wish it wasn't Chinese. I wish it was nobody doing wrong. And don't forget, the and don't forget is, they Trump's are. son-in-law. Don't forget Trump's son-in-law is Jewish, and Trump does a lot of things to help him and his connections out. I, so I agree with you one hundred percent. In order to be consistent, when they be consistent, you got to be critical of Trump. I, I of those points, yes, but Trump's not the person. He, he, but he's, he does have relatives. Yes, you're right, and I have pointed that yeah, out. He, and he, I hope they're not influencing him. Trump used Trump used his power and authority as president to facilitate the interests of a segment uh-huh. of Jewish people, such as moving his uh, embassy to Jerusalem. And all of that well, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with well, that. There's nothing well, wrong with them well, having well, a capital, their capital. Well, I don't want to see their state wrong. destroyed. You, but then you don't see nothing wrong with all the other stuff, then. So you're contradicting yourself. No, no. You see, you're missing the you're, point. You're I, don't want, I don't think every single Jewish person is evil. <laughs> I, I believe there's a sector of that group that is think, practicing this. You don't think, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Israeli government wanted the embassy in Jerusalem. You don't think the Israeli government is, is connected to the people on Wall Street? Um, um, yes, not all of it, though. Sections well, of I mean, it look, is. Look, 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 look. The United States and the U.K. and the U.K. created the state of Israel. Okay? No, and they many, didn't. Yes, they we did disagree on that. I think God did. Yes, they did. 1947. <laughs> yeah, just look it up. I say the God UK had the UK had Palestine. Palestine, the British had Palestine. Okay. Okay. And, and All right. So, yeah. And so and so the the British and the U.S. 
particularly more so after the Jewish Holocaust expedited the creation of the state of Israel. Okay. Look, look now, whoever created it created it for whatever reason. Reason. Look, I don't have yeah, a problem the with point them is, having their own it's, state. Israeli. I, I put it this way: Israelis listening to you about the Federal Reserve will call you anti-Semitic. Yeah, you're darn right. They sure would. You know, but I'd say, what do you got to be guilty of? You know what I mean? If you're not involved in it, you got nothing to worry about. You know, it's just like you. If you say white people are doing something wrong, I got nothing to worry about because I'm not doing nothing wrong. You know, so don't say I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you like to come to the defense. But the thing of it is, people like to sell like to come to the defense of those white people who did do something wrong. Uh, no, I'm not because if you na- if somebody has done something wrong or if there is people doing something wrong, especially we talk today, about, I'll be example, the first one to call them out. Let me show you how paranoid and, and, and you guys are. So if I if I if I say Confederate statues need to come down, first thing yep. you're gonna say, oh, you're trying to take away history. So now you come to the defense of yes, I will. People I will. Who, All right, I will now, because now, it's history. Point. We can't erase no, no, history. Listen, listen, no, Joe, Joe, when I take a Confederate statue down, I didn't change history. It still happened. I'm saying that this person shouldn't be honored for what they did. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't see anyone going there and honoring it. I don't see people worshiping the statue with all parades around statue, it. You put a statue, you put an emblem or statue up in honor of somebody, Joe. That's why they put up in well, honor okay. of somebody. Well, okay, all right. And you're right, they did. You're right, they did. And at that time, they did honor it. But today, it's not a symbol of honor. It's just a symbol of history. All right? That's oh, how no, you have to be taught. No, and that's true. And that's true. You heard of the daughters of the Confederacy? You heard of the daughters of the Confederacy, Joe? Yes, I heard of them. Okay, okay now, uh, I just got back on. I've been breaking up for the last five minutes. I ain't heard nothing about what you guys have been talking about. Well, well now we're on to the Confederacy. He says removing. I said no, removing no, history. Let me recap, Joe. Basically, I went back to my point that that documentary, looking at the Federal Reserve and by singling out Jews, is something he might not want to do because he'll be looked upon as anti-Semitic. That's racism against people who are of the Jewish faith. Okay? okay. And I talked about the state of Israel and the embassy. And I, Oh, I, I talked about Trump and how Trump's son-in-law is Jewish. And how Trump used his authority and power as president to facilitate things for Jewish people. So you've got to be angry with Trump if you're going to be consistent. Now, wait a minute. It's been a stated goal of the United States State Department to yeah. move the United States Embassy to Jerusalem for at least the, since Jimmy Carter's administration. That's yeah, that's a, a, that's stated a country goal thing. Of the United States government. You know? The yeah. state of Israel, listen, so you guys, the state of, it is a known fact. It's a known fact. The state of Israel has spied on the United States. They have attacked uh, all right, I can't, the but I'm just saying... Okay, what I'm saying is you, you, got, you, you can't, you can't be mad with, look, you can't be mad with Federal Reserve Bankers. Hold at least you Jimmy Carter. Here goes my point. You can't be mad with Federal Reserve Bankers on one hand and admire the state of Israel at the same time. Because the same people in Israel, if they heard this little documentary tonight, they'd be all over your asses. <laughs> well, who are they to be all over me? All right. I'm an American. My point is, my point is, the Israeli government, along with yep. the APEC, are probably the most influential and powerful lobbying group in the United States. And so Why is that? Say, would you, would you, 
what you do to one Jew, you do it to them all. That's the way they see it. Well, that's not, and that's wrong. That's wrong. Okay. But Israel is a nation state. There is not a nation state on this planet that does not do what is in its best interest. But why are you defending them? But why are you defending them? And every other nation in the world buys on us. You're giving Israel, you're giving Israel, you're giving the Israelis a green light to dictate policy inside the United States. I give every nation a green light to spy because they all do. You you are hypocrite. You guys are so confused. You're ironically confused all the damn place. You're not even consistent. If you're going to be pissed off, let me tell you something. If you're going to be pissed off with China, if y'all going to be pissed off with China, Ah, you should be pissed off with Israel. You should be pissed off with Israel. China is not an ally. Exactly. That's we don't have a treaty with us. All nations are not in alliances with each other. Sarge, if you study history, let me show you how shallow you are, Sarge. If you study history... Allies today, enemies tomorrow. Enemies today, allies uh, okay. tomorrow. The EU right. economy. Uh, do you not? Did you the, not just the hear EU is supposed to be an ally. The EU, the EU countries. Let me get it. Sorry. The EU countries. What is in their best interest? Did I not the just EU say that countries, Yes. Yes. Did you yes. hear me when I said it? Yo, Joe, yes, let me shut the door. Are you saying what nations do in their best interest or what they regard Joe. as their best interest? Joe, okay. the EU no. countries... Right. Why, why is that wrong? Go ahead. Hold up. The EU countries are supposed to be allies of the U.S. And by the U.S. Directed, by the U.S. directing Germany and the U.K. to place sanctions on Russia, it is weakening their economies. In fact, Germany is going to be deindustrializing because they can't afford the fuel and the natural gas they got to import from the United States. So the United States, in essence, is killing the EU economy. That's supposed to be allies. Okay. All right. So what? So Who do you think the point is, the, the point is, the point is, you think the Russians blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? No, the Russians didn't blow up the Nord Stream pipeline. We know that's not the case. I know they didn't blow it up. So then who did? Well, I mean, what's your point, Sarge? My point is, My point the, is, US, is that the U.S. is a lot of the U.S. is forcing the U.S. is forcing the U.S. is forcing the U.S. is forcing its allies to cut their own throat by smothering their economies and not trade with no, the Russians. No, that's not true. They That's already did it by going to bed with the Russians. Trump exactly. warned them about it. Oh, y'all got y'all got to shallow. Wait, 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 Okay, again, what economies are they smothering Donald Trump tried to prevent their economy from being smothered by being reliant on Russian energy. They laughed at it. They didn't listen to him. When the EU nations placed sanctions on Russia, remember the EU nations 